And with that, happy Halloween, everybody, and welcome in to a special edition of the MI6 Sports Network in our 2020 and first annual Halloween Spooktacular alongside the Judge Mathis and Niners quarterback Nick Mullins, the Winter Soldier, joining you here today from somewhere, I don't know where I'm even at. Uh, of course, folks, as a reminder, this is going to be a multi-hour event, so it's not going to be just for an hour or so, but we're looking at maybe a two to three hour get together. But again, folks, Great to have you aboard here tonight. It is, again, the MI6 Sports Network. Um, uh, once again, folks, celebrates, uh, for one, Halloween, but also celebrates a uh, number of months of great success. We'll first go to our resident judge, our good buddy, Jonathan Mathis, joining us here tonight. John, good to see you, buddy. And uh, we love the get up, man. We, we kind of had an idea, but we're so glad you chose Judge Mathis. Good to see you, John. Happy Halloween. How's it going tonight? Happy Halloween, fellas. Isn't this quite fitting with Mathis being my last name that I... I chose to be Judge Mathis for Halloween. And I'm not only Judge Mathis, I'm Judge Mathis's cousin. You know, I'm his second cousin. So, hey, I'm Judge Mathis tonight. Hey, let's let's get the show on the road. Let's order in the court, baby. Order in the court. Order in the court. <laughs> order the this trial is now going to session. We also, folks, say hello to Niners quarterback Nick Mullins. That, of course, is our good buddy. Isaiah Leung from the Garage Studios up in Fremont, California. Isaiah, good to see you, man. I know that you and I were, uh, or you more so had more problems figuring out a costume more so than I did. Good to see you, though, man. How are we doing tonight? Good to see you, Callan. Good to see you, John. I had a lot of trouble actually figure out, figuring out a costume because I just had so many ideas and I didn't know what to be. So I had to, you know, spend the uh, the last couple of hours just narrowing it down. I was originally going to be a fireman yesterday, but after the whole incident with the pizza that happened at my house yesterday, I was like, nope, I'm not going to do that. And also I was going to be a, I wanted to be Santa Claus today, but I guess my guy, Anthony Rebejo, one of my good friends talked me out of it because he was like, you're going to be Santa on Halloween? Are you kidding me? That's a travesty, man. So he talked me out of it. So I just decided, hey, I got the Nick Mullins face, uh, the face mask um, on Google Docs. Why not just be Nick Mullins, the best quarterback on the San Francisco 49ers? That's right. I said it. So here I am, man. I'm the Niners uh, quarterback, Nick Mullins, and also Callan John. For, today's, for tonight's show, I got something very special prepared. Look at this. Look at we got donuts right here with uh, an egg tart, Halloween donuts. We've got pumpkin chocolate chip muffins. We've got pumpkin pie. We've got a bottle of cider. I'm good to go, man. I got all this stuff ready to hang out for the next three hours with y'all. Thanks and for also, the invite. Thanks for the invite. And also, <laughs> also, folks, joining us tonight as well. It is Jason from Friday the 13th. That, of course, folks, is the resident <laughs> executive producer of the MI6 Sports Network, our good buddy. That is our buddy, Shareable Stephen Wayne, joining us. Shareable Steve, we love the get up, man. Uh, a lot of people actually, I saw someone leaving Spirit Halloween down here in San Diego on Friday night, walking out with a Jason hockey jersey uh, to uh, wear for his uh, uh, costume. But good to see you, though, uh, Stephen. Thanks for being here. How's it going tonight? O H I O. Listen, man, Ohio State still rules over the Big Ten. I'm happy to be joining you here tonight, Callan, Judge Mathis, and 
Nick Mullins, who has turned his camera off in embarrassment because he can't <laughs> face a real defense and the Ohio State University. But great win by my Buckeyes tonight. Otherwise, I would have gone in there and slain them if they had lost the game. Instead, we slay the Nittany Lions. I mean, come on. These are mini Lions. We don't really care about them. We got off to a great start and never looked back, and I'm happy to be part of this spooktacular. Damn, and, again, and, and again, folks, as a reminder, uh, this again, folks, is going to be, as I nearly chopped my hair off with this knife in my hand, but again, folks, as a reminder here again, this is once more a very special night for all of us here on the MI6 Sports Network. Again, we're coming here for one to, of course, talk sports, plenty of college football, NFL football news, big news of the day on this program. But also, folks, as, the, as time does go on tonight, throughout the course of the show, we'll also be here again, and uh, once more, we'll be having more of uh, more members of our group and actually of the cast and crew here joining us as this uh, event goes on once more. Again, this is going to be very lengthy, about two to three hour program here. Again, a virtual, pretty much a virtual Halloween party mixed in with our usual sports programming, but also we'll be stepping back a bit and kind of reflecting on the past several months of success here for the MI6 Sports Network. And again, folks, we thank you all very much for being here and for joining us here for the uh, next uh, several hours here. But again, right now we got John, we got Isaiah and Shareable Stephen, of course, yours truly, Cal McClurg here in the uh, program tonight. But again, we'll have plenty more of uh, plenty more uh, guests and again, more of our cast and crew joining us as this program does move on. With that, guys, some viewer content from the uh, foolish mortals that are the MI6 audience. Of course, our good buddy, John Alcorn, uh, watching. What's up, y'all? Of course, John, good to see you. Uh, also, Casey King says, hello, gang. Good to be with you all tonight. Of course, Casey, we thank you very much for joining us each and every night here. Even on vacation, Casey still joins us on the program. Uh, Chardol wanted to say uh, hello to uh, quarterback Nick Mullins of the uh, Niners tonight. Uh, glad to have Nick aboard the program. And also, John says, what uh, what the fart is Isaiah wearing? Nick Mullins. Laugh, laugh, laugh. Face palm, face palm. Uh, Chardol enjoys the Winter Soldier get up again. I really don't dress up a lot for Halloween, but I had this lying around. and just picked up some uh, makeup to give myself a couple of black guys and this pocket knife because I guess Hydra will not, text, will not attack Steve Rogers with a pocket knife, but here we are. Uh, also, Chardol compliments uh, Mr. Mathis on the Judge Mathis costume. And also, real quick, John says about Isaiah, out of all the ideas, Isaiah, you pick Nick Mullins. You could have gone to the Halloween store. Isaiah, what gives, buddy? Come on now. Well, I mean, I couldn't really go to the Halloween store because I've been busy all week. I just tried to put something together at the last minute. I have a Nick Mullins jersey. I have, like, this face that I have on Google Docs. I was like, you know what? Why not just, you know, put this together and, you know, be Nick Mullins for the night? I mean, that's one of – Nick Mullins is my favorite quarterback on the San Francisco 49ers and a guy that I think should be the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, but that's a different topic for a different day. And also, folks, we welcome in another one of uh, our members here of the MI6 family. That is our good buddy Trevor Williams joining us. Uh, Trevor, you don't exactly know the costume, but we know you came from a watch party <laughs> for the Ohio State Buckeyes to knock off Penn State. Uh, Trev, happy Halloween, buddy, and thanks for being here tonight. No problem. You know, great win by Ohio State. Fantastic. So, you know, I'm being an Ohio State Buckeye fan for Halloween this year. So, you know, some easy and simple this year. So, you know, coming from the party and now going on for the stream. So, you know, it's like that meme where it's like I got I go to off to work at five. 
got a party at six. So that's basically how it works for me today. <laughs> oh, Trevor, we gave you the name of OSU's number one fan because all of us here are using the costumes we're using as our names tonight. Like, for example, Shareable Steve is going as Jason from Friday the 13th. But again, folks, as a reminder, again, we'll be here for a multi-hour event tonight. So again, hang tight, grab some coffee or grab some uh, alcohol, grab your favorite drink or whatever, and hang out with us here again. We'll, we will talk some sports, but again, we'll also be sharing uh, plenty of our uh, plenty story, uh, plenty of stories though about, of course, the MI6 Sports Network. Again, we're celebrating, folks, tonight. Over fourteen hundred anchor podcast listens, surpassing the one thousand mark earlier. Uh, earlier this month and back in late September. And also we're going to be talking about all the programs. And of course, we'll have plenty more about that as this again, multi-hour event does roll on tonight. But again, folks, we'll be having more of our uh, cast and crew joining us as the night does progress. Uh, with that, guys, let's actually talk some college football tonight. We'll get uh, started with a couple of the big games. And we'll first we'll start, guys, with the Ohio State Penn State game. The reason why we were so late getting on air tonight, as mentioned, uh, with the Buckeyes beating Penn State pretty handily tonight, 38-25 from Happy Valley. Um, Trevor, we'll start with you because of course, man, you know, I've been kind of in my studio here for one, getting this costume put together with, you know, the, the black eyes, the mask and the, the whole ordeal here for the winter soldier, but also trying to get stuff together for the program here. But it just seemed like though that Trevor, if anyone had any doubts, maybe about Ohio state, maybe being tested by Penn state, all those went out the door in this game that I just Penn state wins this game. I'd say pretty convincingly over Penn State 38-25. Trevor, give us your thoughts here as the Buckeyes move now to 3-0, and or 2-0, and I should say, 2-0 and on the Big Ten season. I was saying this was probably going to be the game that would test Ohio State offense and defensively, but, like, at the start of the game, they were in the driver's seat from pretty much the whole game, and Ohio State just showed them why they are a playoff-caliber team compared to Penn State. Like, Penn State only got six points at half. That's phenomenal for Ohio State, though you have that weird call where Justin Fields takes a knee and ends up becoming turnover on downs and having one second left and giving Penn State an opportunity to kick a field goal. I was talking to my friends, like, that play could have cost Ohio State the game if the game went south for us. But, nope, we took care of business, and now we're basically going to control the Big Ten East unless, you know, the team up north has something to say about it. But since they lost to Michigan State, this is our basically – division to lose steve i think trevor's right though this has become the uh it's become the buckeyes division to lose now because michigan cannot get you know cannot get out of their own way though i believe i saw a stat that jim harbaugh will have more about this game though but that harbaugh is a combined one in six i believe in his career against sparty and against ohio state in his career but as we said though steve you know pretty much though man ohio state now this is now their division to lose tonight again or for the remainder of the year, though, Justin Fields has looked sensational. Offenses look great, though. Again, 38 points put up, though, on a very, what seemed to be very, uh, you know, stricken uh, Penn State ball club tonight. Stephen, overall takeaways as the Buckeyes move at 2-0 now and probably, I think, now really run the roost right now in their division for the Big Ten Conference. Well, first of all, I wanted to address Chardal, who is a zombie baseball player. Love it. Uh, for his Halloween costume. Absolutely love it. Shout out to you. Technically, I'm like a zombie hockey player in Jason Voorhees. So bring it on, buddy. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm not afraid of you, just like Ohio State and afraid of Penn State. But, um, Callan, to get to your point, uh, this was a game where Ohio State really demonstrated all the hype from the beginning of the season. This was their division to lose regardless of what happened tonight as long as they won the game and then they came out strong and pretty much did what they were expected to do 
impose their will on the line of scrimmage. And you're seeing more and more in college football specifically, and even at the NFL level, that the line of scrimmage is everything. Penn State, they had drives moving. But that was after Ohio State had completely stifled them in the first half to open up a lead, stops them on a pivotal fourth and two, and goes in and scores a touchdown to go up 14-0. to zero. This was a game that started out a lot like actually the Clemson game from last year in the heartbreaking Fiesta Bowl loss. But the difference here is the Nittany Lions aren't quite up to par with the Tigers. They don't have an elite quarterback like Trevor Lawrence to bring them back. And it showed tonight. Sean Clifford forced the issue. He made some decent plays trying to extend um, the play and extend field position. But when you are going up and uh, against an avalanche of a defensive line and then an offensive line on the defensive end that Penn State was, they were just clearly outmatched. This game was a lot less close than it was supposed to be. This should have been a 20-point win for the Buckeyes, but we will take the 13-point hounding on the Penn State Nittany Lions. Bring on the Tigers, baby. Roar! <laughs> Isaiah, I think that what Steve's on to a very valid point, though, buddy, in regards to, you know, maybe Ohio State probably looking at this game and things like that. But as uh, Steven said, though, you know, it could have been a lot worse, though, than maybe a 13-point win, though. Maybe Ohio State kind of keeping the Nittany Lions in this ball game. Uh, here tonight, but as mentioned, though, Ohio State, though, as uh, we've already talked about, though, looks to be now the clear-cut favorites to win their division championship now, as mentioned, with Michigan going down uh, earlier to on Saturday. And again, just that division not looking up to par right now. Isaiah, give us your thoughts here as Ohio State again knocks off Penn State 38-25 from Happy Valley uh, here tonight on this Saturday in Happy Valley. Well, first of all, I just want to say, Safeway, your pumpkin pie has officially usurped Costco's pumpkin pie as the best pumpkin pie ever, man. Like, come on, man. This is so good. I wish you guys could try it with me. Yes! 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 My thoughts on this game is that Ohio State, they were the better team in this game. You know, I wasn't impressed by Penn State after their terrible showing against Indiana, but Ohio State just controlled this game from start to finish. Ohio State from the yeah, they controlled the game from start to finish. There was never any doubt in my mind that Ohio State was going to win this game. Ohio State just looked like the more dominant team offensively, defensively, especially in the trenches like Steven mentioned. And my oh my, that guy Garrett Wilson, who I said was a beast last week when we had Rachel L. Hill on, this guy continues to show, like, continues to prove me right when I call him a stud. This guy was out there making plays. Um, he was out there blocking very well. This guy's going to be a future first-round pick in the NFL. I am very impressed by him. And also, you know, kudos to Penn State for fighting back in the end. But there was just never a doubt that Ohio State was going to win this football game, especially with no whiteout in the stadium. And also, like, with um, Penn State just stricken with a lot of injuries. Judge Mathis, I think, though, that Isaiah is right, though, in regards to this ball game, as mentioned, Penn State, again, the crowd not being a factor in Happy Valley on Saturday. Again, the restrictions in place about capacity. And, again, not that type of same field for a big game uh, for Penn State at home, though, we're you know we're so used to seeing the wide out whenever they play a big opponent. But we already have pretty much touched uh, touch base on here, uh, Judge Mathis. 
Ohio State's offense just looks to be super lethal. Again, great running backs as we have somewhat touch base on over the past several programs here with, you know, how Ohio State and how the Big Ten has been known for so many great running backs coming out of the conference over the past several years, though. And now you have Ohio State, with, for one, with Justin Fields, but also Master Teague also being another one that it, it looks to be like, you know, that the Big Ten should become running back, like the official conference of great star running backs from Elliott, Jonathan Taylor, uh, just like the uh, the main two I can think of. But, John, give us your thoughts here. As mentioned, Ohio State winning over Penn State pretty handily, 38-25 from Happy Valley on Halloween night. Well, now that the Buckeyes have improved to 2-0 and on the season, um, it's still a young season, but the Buckeyes have clearly reinserted themselves as a legitimate contender um, in the Pac-10. And clearly, they're the best team in the Pac-10. They're, they are a powerhouse football team led by Justin Fields, who's completely um, dominant at the quarterback position. For someone who, who plays at the most important position in football, he has shown great leadership. You know, he has held this team together with his ability to play quarterback. I like what I'm seeing from him. I think he has made his case after just two games that he is definitely in the running for a Heisman Trophy. And then Master Teague, he has shown tremendous growth in week two. Um, he carried the ball efficiently, uh, you know, tore it up on the ground, um, was just spectacular and fun to watch. This team is improving by the week, and that is scary, uh, what we're seeing from this team. But their defense was really impressive. Their defense was able to stifle, you know, the the – the Penn State Indy Lions, uh, you know, they took control of this game from start to finish. They didn't really give Penn State much of a chance to even compete. They couldn't keep up with them. Penn State looked defeated early on, and they just couldn't get anything going really on offense. Justin, Field, Justin Fields for Ohio State, he's dangerous. Um, he led that pass, passing attack, which was – um, phenomenal tonight, and and Teague individually in this game, Master Teague, the master that he is, <laughs> ran for 105 yards, and he had a touchdown on 22 carries. Just amazing. And Sermon, am I pronouncing his name right? Trace Sermon? Um, Sherman. Sherman, she always butchers somebody's mm -hmm. name, right? Well, he tallied 56 yards on 13 carries. So the running game was impressive. And I think with a strong running game behind um, Justin Fields, that takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback. But Justin Fields has shown that he can handle the pressure and big moment situations. Look, I'm not trying to take anything away from Trevor Lawrence. I think he's a hell of a quarterback at Clemson. But let's not overlook Justin Fields and what he can do on the football field. He is capable of doing some amazing things this season, and don't be surprised if he is better than Trevor Lawrence this year. I wouldn't be surprised by it. I think he's on, his, on to something here. I think Day has these boys playing really well. Um, they know what's expected of them. And once again, 
Ohio State is at the top of the mountain in college football. And in the Big Ten, for sure, and especially with their division being how it's been so far. Uh, some more thoughts, guys. We're not going to get a chance to get to all, all the comments. Uh, first and foremost, Christy Wilson writing in on this Halloween night. Hello, guys. Good costumes. Uh, thank you all. We're, uh, we do have Shree with us, but we have not seen Shree's, uh, Shree's costume just yet. But we'll get to him in just a moment here. I'm going to get through some of the comments first from the Foolish Mortal viewers tonight on the program. Bryce Russo writing in. Hello, everybody. And happy Halloween. Always enjoy tuning in. Big game for the Pats. Tomorrow we'll have more NFL coverage in just a few moments here. Our resident Buckeye fan in the chat box and the MI6 uh, page, Austin Morrison, saying go Bucks." Definitely agree. Uh, Austin does have one thought to pass along about the game. Secondary, a little shaky tonight, but I but pleased with the performance overall, especially with, the, with how the offense has looked through two games so far on the season. Casey King says, Ohio State looked good, and Penn State definitely looks like, uh, looks like it will be an overhyped team this year. Uh, so bad that he switched the game over to watch the UNLV Nevada Reno game uh, in his office. Uh, Ohio State should roll through their conference. Uh, I think a lot of people have those same exact sentiments. Christy also says, I think that Ohio State made a statement with this victory over Penn State tonight. And uh, Christy, in regards to Isaiah eating uh, pie already, I will wait until Thanksgiving to have pumpkin pie. Uh, with that, guys, uh, one very quick uh, question here from Austin Morrison. Uh Mr. Mathis, we'll start with you. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, though. Thoughts on maybe Justin Fields being a Heisman front runner, even with two games under his belt played this season? Mr. Uh, Judge Mathis, what's the verdict on this? Yes, I would say that he's definitely the front runner for the Heisman uh, trophy this year. Um, as we've seen in recent years, quarterbacks have dominated uh, when it comes to this prestigious award. And I think Justin Fields is right now. Uh, leading in that category. I definitely see him winning the Heisman Trophy. If he keeps playing like this, and especially if this team goes undefeated, being that it's in the Pac-10 Conference, I think he has a great chance of winning the Heisman. Um, that's not, again, to take anything away from Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is a wonderful quarterback and could end up going number one in the upcoming NFL draft. But Let's not overshadow how great of a quarterback Justin Fields is. Justin Fields has the chance to go high in the upcoming NFL draft, too, because of his athleticism, because of his agility, because of his speed, and because of his ability to pass the football as well. He can hurt you in so many ways. He can hurt you with his feet. He can hurt you with his arm. He's a smart quarterback. He has a great IQ for the game. You know, he he makes smart decisions with the football, doesn't really turn it over much. Look, tonight he was sacked twice. What did he do? He responded to that adversity, kept playing his game, and, and Ohio State was able to win that game. He has done a tremendous job rallying those boys, rallying his troops, and they have gone to work week in and week out, and they look – like the team to beat in the country right now. And I would go out on a limb and say that he might be the best quarterback in the country, if not the most exciting quarterback in the country right now. So uh, Isaiah, give us your thoughts here about Austin's question. I think uh, Judge Mavis hit the nail on the head, or at least hit the gavel uh, on the head in this case about uh, the thoughts about uh, Justin Fields. Uh, yes, uh, the hammer has been dropped. Uh, the verdict is in about uh, Justin Fields. 
Uh, Nick Mullins, what say you about Justin Fields perhaps uh, being the front runner despite him playing two games right now on the young uh, Big Ten college football season? Mr. Mullins, you're muted. Right now, I think you have to give it to him, especially because Trevor Lawrence will miss the next, what? He's going to miss, what, the next two, three weeks with uh, COVID-19. So I think he has to be the front runner because he's still playing while Lawrence is sitting out. And, you know, he can't put up the numbers that he normally puts up. So, yeah, I think he has to be the front runner. But I don't know. Things can change like in a heartbeat, especially like once the Pac-12 gets going. I'm really excited to see how my guy Keaton Slovis does at USC this year. I think Keaton Slovis is a beast. This guy last year, he broke so many records as a true freshman, which was very, very impressive. So I am really um, – I really want to see what Keaton Slovis does. But right now, I think he has to be the favorite given that Lawrence is sitting Trevor, out. how about you in regards to Austin's question again? Thoughts that maybe Fields becomes the Heisman frontrunner despite the Big Ten only playing two games so far on their season? I think he's definitely going to become a Heisman runner. But the real question is at the end of the day is how do you determine a Heisman Trophy winner – in this weird environment where teams postpone games and may not complete all their regular season games. And the PAC 12 is starting up and playing only six games. So is the committee only going to select the best six games for each player that is contending for the Heisman trophy? So it's going to be very interesting on how the committee ends up formatting this and selecting their Heisman candidate. But for tonight's performance in the first two, I think Justin Fields is definitely a front runner for the first game only, you know, one incomplete pass, and tonight with over 350 yards. And I believe he almost had three touchdowns through the air, so not a bad night. Good pace for the Heisman right now, for sure. We'll go over to Shareable Steve. Uh, Steve, what are your thoughts here? Again, Austin Morrison posing the question again. Thoughts on maybe Justin Fields becoming a Heisman frontrunner, uh, even though that they've only played two games so far on the very young college football season. I think he is the Heisman front runner, and I said this on last show. Without Dobbins in there, I know Master Teague and Trey Sermon had ex excellent games, and they've been progressing week to week. You are going to see a lot more quarterback runs this year than last year. Last year, they wanted to save Fields' health for the playoffs, and that's why they didn't run as many run plays as now. And without Dobbins in there, they need to – uh, integrate more running into the offense, specifically more quarterback running. You'll see a lot of draws. You'll see Fields kind of getting out of the pocket more often, and that is going to help his Heisman status. And then now with Lawrence sideline for uh, not only today's Boston College game, in which DJ played fantastic, he's going to be sidelined for the Notre Dame game. So we're going to have reduced data points. I think this is Fields' year to win it. He's minimizing turnovers as Shriek says compared to Lawrence, who's throwing more turnovers. But um, with that being said, I still think that Trevor Lawrence is the better pro prospect. I think he has a better base set for the NFL, and I don't think the Heisman race affects his status as the number one overall pick. However, clear Heisman favorite to me now has got to be Justin Fields moving forward. And we'll uh, now, folks, uh, welcome in our other uh, host joining us tonight. That is our good buddy, Shri, also joining us. Uh, Shri, let's get your thoughts more so. But, of course, man, thanks for being here. But, again, uh, how about some thoughts here? Uh, do you believe that Justin Fields uh, is the uh, uh, Heisman front runner, even though that the Big Ten has only played two games so far on the season? 
I absolutely do. Um, I don't think there's been a player in the country that's played, you know, as well as Justin Fields has. Um, an interesting stat today about Justin Fields through two games in the Big Ten schedule, he has as many touchdowns as he has incompletions. So he's accounted for seven touchdowns through two games. He has seven incompletions. Now, if that doesn't tell you, you know, the type of season that this kid is having, the type of production that he's putting up, I don't know what will. He's accounted, you know, tonight he had a stellar night, um, looked on point the entire night from beginning to end. Um, he's making all the throws. He's making the right reads. You know, um, they're trusting him. And, and in a few situations, I saw them go to him in, a, in an area where they traditionally wouldn't go to him, right? They had a fourth and one. Um, and instead of running the ball, I think it was in the red zone somewhere around the 15 to 20 yard line. Instead of traditionally, you'd think that they'd run the ball, do a quarterback sneak or hand it off to the halfback. But, you know, you saw that they have ultimate trust in Justin Fields. And that's something Kirk Herbstreet was talking about. You know, they, they actually drop back and pass it and he gets it down to the one yard line. So I think that just the, just the amount of trust that Ryan Day and, um, the offensive the offensive coaches have in Justin Fields um, is is astounding, and I think that he is definitely uh, the front runner right now in the Heisman conversation with Trevor Lawrence missing some games, and also Trevor Lawrence didn't really look too good against Syracuse. You know, even when he was playing, um, you know, he did throw some interceptions. He did have some, uh, you know, struggles completing the passes, uh, deep throws, and. Justin Fields today, again, on deep throws, he was seven for eight on throws over 20 yards, and he threw two touchdown passes out of those eight, out of those seven completions, right? So he's as accurate a quarterback as there is in college football. He's as dynamic a playmaker as there is in college football, and I expect it to continue. I expect them to lean heavily on Justin Fields this year, and I expect his numbers to speak for themselves, and and I think that very much so he's going to be the Heisman frontrunner um, now into – into the future. And um, I, I see the only other person giving him a run for his money being, uh, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, and then maybe the Zach Wilson kid from BYU. But I think that he should be considered the front runner moving forward because he's, his performance this year to date has been way more uh, impressive than the other players in my opinion. I would also lean towards fields. I know, of course, that the schedule probably doesn't line up with everybody, but as mentioned, you know, the Pac-12 is only playing six games. The Big Ten is only doing X amount of games. And, again, all the different uh, hurdles you have to jump over. But I would go with fields despite the two games. I think the like Trevor said it best, though, that the committee is probably going to have to look at the six best games or the best X amount of games, though, that all these teams have played and these schools have played that really make their final judgment about who actually is going to get that. Uh, you know, get the uh, get the Heisman. Again, folks, give us your thoughts here. Again, who do you have winning the Heisman? We'll get uh, try uh, try to again read those comments live on the airs. The entire program again, multi-hour event does in fact roll on here tonight. Of course, Mr. Mullins has to add on to his point. What he got for us, sir? Well, I'm not. I don't want to add on to my point. I just have some breaking news for y'all, and that is we have another addition to the party tonight, and that is the cheese pizza finally done. Finally. Oh, my God. What is it with you and food? I didn't know. I'm I'm food over here to fascinate all your food. We've got a huge buffet out here. All, we've, all we're missing is the prime rib. We get a prime rib, rib in here. We, we're done. You can you know, shut I the have party. It's more mediocre-looking food. Nick Mullins has to 
focus more on football and less on food. Then maybe he'll be a serviceable quarterback. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I do have a knife ready. I think Jason exactly. got, a, got a knife or a bat ready in case we need to go get our own food, apparently, fellas. But uh, thanks for the invite, uh, Mr. Mullins. We'll, uh, we'll be up there to raid the party uh, pretty soon. Yes. Thanks, hey, also, also if I can talk now to you a little bit of the Ohio State game, I know you guys went yes, over it please before, do. but as a please huge do. fan, please do. you know, um, I thought they played very well to this today. Um, you know, they set the tone starting early, first play of the game, sixty-two yard, uh, sixty-two yard sweep play to Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, up twenty-one to three at the half. It should be twenty-one to three. It shouldn't have been twenty-one to six. I, I think that end of the half play was completely garbage. Um, and, and I don't agree with that call at all. But you know what? You get played the situation you have. So 21 to 6. Then you see um, Penn State coming back and actually getting that touchdown in the beginning of the second half, up 21 13. Now it's a one possession game. Now, how does Justin Fields um, and the offense respond to it? Well, they respond to it by going on a touchdown drive. And again, you know, it's great for Ohio State because they face some adversity in this game uh, for the first time. You know, it felt as if. You know, there are a few plays or a few drives or a few incompletions away from maybe having the game slip away from them. And I thought that it was really important for Justin Fields and the other leaders on this team to step up and show that, you know, despite these uh, Penn State throwing their best punches, we were still able to overcome that. So I don't think the game was as close as the score dictated. Every time Penn State threw a punch, we threw, you know, we threw one back. And, and eventually, you know, they were just not able to to finish um, because of the fact that, uh, you know, we, we continued to execute wherever we needed to. We didn't, we didn't let them get back in the game. You know, they kept trying to get back in the game and they, they did, they gave it their best. And I think that that Penn state team is definitely a good team just because they're Oh, and two, I wouldn't, you know, look too much into it. If they're not ranked in the next ranking, I'm not going to look too much into it um, because I believe that, you know, that Penn State team is a very talented team, very good defense, um, very, you know, good receivers. You saw number five out there. I don't know what his name was, but he had some absolutely fantastic grabs. But I think that this game sets a tone for the Ohio State Buckeyes, and I think that this continues onward um, for the rest of the season and into the playoffs, hopefully. So, um, yeah, just just really love to see that and just wanted to share my comments with you guys. Yeah, and again, definitely for sure. But again, folks, uh, Ohio State winning over the Penn State Nittany Lions 38-25 from Happy Valley on this uh, Halloween Saturday. Some more thoughts here. Uh, James Gonzalez already had his question answered. Does Judge Mathis have his gavel? Yes, he does. We did, in fact, see that a bit earlier on in the program. He's got it handy, so as soon as he uh, uh, slams that thing down, we are good to go. Chardol thinks so that his favorite for the uh, Heisman should be Kellen Mond, the quarterback of Texas A&M. Uh, hopefully that he's able to compete for the uh, most prestigious award in college football and also follow in the footsteps of A&M's most recent winner, Johnny Manziel. I think he wants to stay as far away from Manziel as possible with, again, his reputation on and off the field. Casey Griesel with Isaiah. Do uh, uh, please watch out for Keaton Slovis. Um, he probably will not win it, but uh, we'll make a push for it. And also Fields looks like the front runner right now. I think a lot of people agree as well. And also, uh, Christy wants to uh, poke some fun at Mr. Uh, Mullins. OMG, he's got a buffet all set up. My goodness gracious, yes, he does. And also, some more comments uh, trickling in as well. Uh, Austin actually uh, led me to my next point here. Speaking of throwing punches, 
How about the brawl between Mizzou and Florida? You know, John, it's one thing that I have to go and fight off Thanos and fight off his army with the rest of the Avengers every so often, Mr. Mathis. At the same time, though, man, we know, of course, that we've seen brawls already happen in baseball. But it's one thing, though, man, that when it happens in football, it becomes a whole nother free-for-all pretty much, more so than what it is right now, Mr. Mathis. Uh, John, give us your thoughts here more so, again, to Austin's point, though. How about the uh, thoughts about the brawl between Florida and Missouri? Again, obviously, two rival schools at the same time, though, man. In a day and age, though, of an ongoing global pandemic. Yikes. Yeah, well, you know, Colin, that's part of sports. That's part of not only professional sports, but college sports as well. If you play sports at a collegiate level, you're, you're going to have intense moments like that one. Sometimes your emotions are running high. You know, and then sometimes these players have to, they feel they have to vent and let out, let off steam. And that's what happened here today. You know, you're talking about two rival schools going head to head and, you know, someone might have said something and that just like, you know, provoked this whole, you know, altercation to happen. And the next thing you know, you got guys throwing punches out there on the field, you know, it, it just happens. You know what probably started in what probably started as trash talk ensued into a physical altercation. I mean, when we see these types of things in college football, you know, we we tend to like freak out over it and, and make such a big deal over it. We we overreact because we don't really see it in college football. It's not commonplace. You know, usually football players take their anger out when they're on defense. Okay, I just pound you to the ground next time I see you, you know, or something like that. But in this case, these guys were throwing punches. I mean, it was pretty intense. It was wild to see that. And, you know, it took a few minutes for the officials and even the coaching staff to, to try to restrain these guys and, and restore some kind of order. You know, it, it took a few minutes I was like, wow, they couldn't get this under control. But, you know, when your emotions are running high and when words are exchanged, this can happen. And it's not really that much of a surprise. But to answer your question in the middle of a pandemic, yeah, uh, these types of things shouldn't happen. But how can you really control a brawl? How can you really control players, especially college players? These, these are younger players. They're still maturing as young men, they're still developing and growing. And, and sometimes, you know, they're not going to make smart decisions. Sometimes they're going to make dumb and unwise decisions, and it could cost them, sure. Uh, and then they'll learn from those mistakes. So you, you have to kind of expect these type of things to happen, especially in college sports. Trevor, you know, I think that Judge Mathis said it right, though, in regards to when we see a brawl at the college level, we instantly freak out, lose our mind, and like, what the hell's going on, and stuff like that, yada, 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 where I think we're, you know, we're obviously used to seeing it happen at the pro level, again, Astros, Dodgers, and Yankees, Red Sox, and of course, in hockey, basketball, it happens, but I do think, though, Trevor, that it's a valid point, though, by John, saying that when we see it happen at the collegiate level, we tend to freak out. We lose our minds. I think notably, I think the most notorious brawl that's happened recently was with Kansas basketball, where he literally had that one player uh, grab that chair from from a student section and was about ready to hit someone with the chair like it was pro wrestling, and we all lost our mind about that one. 
Uh, Trevor, give us your thoughts or at least maybe a maybe a reaction, I guess. I think that uh, John said it best, though, in regard to it being pretty much, you know, a college brawl happens and the general public freaks out and loses their mind. I think we've seen like not like brawls happen in college football, but we've seen little confrontations between the two teams before warming up. Obviously, like two years ago in Red River, Texas and Oklahoma were at each other's necks and they've all been giving like personal fouls before the start of the game. So if they had another, you know, brawl that would end up happening, players would be ejected. Also, during last year's Ohio State-Penn State game, players were getting a little rowdy at Penn State that one year. So it's always there in college football. There's always tension when you have two potentially good teams playing each other or when the stakes are high to try to advance within that respective schedule. So, yes, it's going to happen, but at the same time, when you start seeing fists starting to fly, that's when people are going to tend to overreact. But they're getting in each other's faces. People will be like saying, oh, tensions are just high. It's part of the game. And once that first punch is thrown, it's, people just start losing everything. Shri, I think John and Trevor are right here. You know, John's right, though, because whenever we see a brawl happen in college sports, we tend to maybe lose our minds because, like, you know, maybe there's suspensions from, you know, the conference. Maybe they face some other suspensions from the school, maybe. Kind of like if you get into a fight in, in high school or college even, you know, stuff like that boils over. But then Trevor brought, though, you know, like the OU Texas game, and you had that brawl break out pregame, nonetheless, where there was pushing and shoving going on. I think, though, that also Trevor's right, though, is Roshri, because there's, put you know, there's pushing and shoving but then there's fists being thrown. There's guys ripping off guys' helmets and swinging them like they're baseball bats. Or again, the Kansas basketball situation, you literally have a player going over and grabbing a chair, I think, off the bench or from somewhere with uh, you know, with one of the seats that are close by, taking a chair and using it like it's pro wrestling. You had those sort of things also getting out, though, as well. Shree, any reaction or thoughts as past long as mentioned? Uh, minor scuffle, but actually pretty legitimate brawl, though, between uh, Mizzou and Florida earlier on Saturday night. Yeah, uh, I saw. I didn't watch it live. I saw a replay of it, you know, during um, the halftime of the Ohio State Penn State game, and and actually, I thought it was pretty funny the way uh, Mark Sanchez uh, reacted to it. And not often am I quoting Mark Sanchez, but he, he you know, he said, "I quote, uh, you know, when I was on Rex Ryan's team, when I when he was on the Jets with Rex Ryan, Rex Ryan had told him, you know, the way that you compete in a brawl when you have football, like when you're in a brawl in football, is you shove, you can push." You can do all that, but just refrain from throwing punches because you're going to punch the other guy's helmet and you're going to injure your hand and you're going to get in trouble because you can't throw the ball next week, right? Um, so I just thought, you know, it's it's like exactly what you said, man. Like pushing is fine. Shoving, I mean, I'm not saying it's fine, but, you know, when, when you see pushing or shoving, you know, you're like, this is kind of routine. But then when you see those like fists being thrown, when you see those hands being thrown by these players, then, you know, you start to get into – you know, maybe potential disciplinary actions. And I think three players were ejected from that game, two on Florida uh, and one on Missouri. And I think what started it all was a huge hit on uh, Florida's quarterback, Kyle Trask. So a lot of the Florida players were trying to step, um, you know, stand up for their quarterback. You know, he just got drilled on a Hail Mary at the end of the half. And, you know, they, they'd felt as if Mizzou had been taking cheap shots at Kyle the entire game and, and they wanted to, you know, stand up for their quarterback. But, you know, the way that you do it, do that is stand up for him on the field. Um, now, I know these guys are young men and, you know, they'll learn and hopefully they won't, um, you know, continue to be involved in, in, in acts like this. But I think it's a, it's, it's a good teaching lesson um, for these Florida guys and, and even for some of these Missouri guys that, 
there are some consequences to your actions should you go beyond you know what the physical I know like football is a physical sport, but if you go beyond, beyond, you know, those boundaries that are set up, um, then there are, uh, consequences and there are potential, um, you know, ejections or like you even said suspensions. And, and for Florida a team, that's really, uh, you know, in the thick of competing for, for a spot in the SEC championship and for a spot in the, maybe even the college football playoff. I think that, you know, the coach has to go in and reinforce that, you know, we got to stay clean. We cannot uh, have these type of mental lapses. You know, I understand you want to stand up for your quarterback. I understand you, you know, want to stand up for your teammate, but maybe do so in on the field, right? Maybe make a pancake block or maybe hit, get a great hit on a, another player, right? You don't want to go and throw punches at them because then you can risk your eligibility and you can risk, um, you know, should they have been suspended? I don't, I don't know if the SEC is going to take a look at this. I don't know if the NCAA is going to take a look at this, but if they do, and these players are suspended for next week's big matchup against Georgia, then, you know, you lose some key players for a key matchup, right? So there's, it just goes beyond the moment and you got to, you know, kind of control that temper and then use that anger to compete on the field rather than to um, take it out through, through fighting or through other means that, that may be outside of those boundaries that we have established. Stephen, I think that's well, well said. Yeah, very well said. You know, I think Stephen that Shree's onto a hell of a point here. As much as uh, Judge Mathis and uh, OSU's number one fan were, and also the Pats fan missing TB12 was also onto a, <laughs> a very great tangent, though, in regards to you know, I think all of us though are probably on the same page though, you know, because we do. I think we all kind of in a way freak out a little bit more with a brawl involving college kids than professional athletes for one thing. But as well though, you know, I, I think though Stephen has mentioned that maybe the Dallas Cowboys should take some notes here about how to protect your quarterback when a guy throws a dirty hit, though, because as we saw, though, these two teams, I know it probably is, you know, went way out of control, though. Florida handled this a lot better than a professional NFL team did, seeing their quarterback get absolutely crushed, you know, like we saw with Andy Dalton. Again, we saw Jordan Trask uh, get, you know, get wrecked in this game, but we saw guys actually stand up for their quarterback. And, yes, I know that, you know, guys got tossed, though. But, Stephen, maybe if you can, you know, give us your thoughts here as mentioned, uh, but a very ugly scene, though, in the game that I just mentioned between uh, Mizzou and Florida with a pretty nasty brawl uh, towards the end of the first half of play the night. I thought it was obvious the kind of reaction that um, the team's quarterback got from some of the players, and I think Shree's right. Like, you know, um, just like James and Shree says, don't punch. You're going to hurt yourself. Keep your helmets on for that reason. It's a little bit of protection against the punch. But, you know, much uh, much love to how um, Florida reacted to their quarterback um, getting cheap-shotted and everything. I thought it was a great way to do it. Um, with the Cowboys, I do think that there's a little bit of, um, you know, like a little bit of leeway that's allowed because this was uh, Andy Dalton, the guy who maybe hadn't been with the team for as long. Um, I understand you want to protect all your teammates, but I just think that if that was Dak Prescott, they would definitely have stood up and done something. But with uh, Dalton still being kind of newer to the team and the situation being a, a Washington clear win, I think they just kind of stayed out of it um, for whatever reason. Not a good decision, but maybe there's a little bit of understanding there. Maybe. I mean, I still think, though, that regardless of who the quarterback is, what the score is, you got to protect that teammate and show that he got this guy's back. Where, again, I think that's probably where I think the parallel is drawn between the Cowboys issue and then the Florida issue here. 
in regards to the Gators actually protecting Trask, where, again, we did not see the Cowboys protect Dalton in that loss to Washington last Sunday. But, Isaiah, uh, how about your thoughts here? As mentioned, probably a very nasty scene for the SEC, for Florida, and for Missouri. But, again, pretty nasty brawl breaking up between the two clubs uh, here today uh, on this Halloween night. Yeah, you know, I don't want to condone the brawl because, you know, you never want to see fights happen, uh, whether it's in college football, NBA, MLB, NFL, etc. cetera. Uh, but I understand it. You know, like Shree said, uh, the Florida quarterback, Kyle Trask, got absolutely crushed uh, on the on, – I think it was on a Hail Mary play. Am I correct, Callie? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he got crushed on a Hail Mary play. And, you know, when – a team sees their quarterback get crushed. You're going to see that team all of a sudden rush and start pushing and shoving and throwing punches at the players that crushed him because they are standing up and defending their quarterback unlike what the Cowboys should have done last week uh, on Sunday against the Washington football team, which was an absolute disgrace, and I think those players should have been cut. But, I mean, like, you never want to see fights happen. You never want to see guys throwing punches. But I completely understand it. They were standing up for their quarterback. Yeah, I think a lot of people agree with how things have gone here. Some thoughts, guys, real quick about the game. But first and foremost, Christy Wilson wanted to tell me to get ready for the adventures with the Falcon very soon, I hope. I'm very hopeful and optimistic about that. Uh, also, real quick, um, James writes in, uh, Missouri and Florida are just lost programs like two ugly people fighting outside a bar. Very good uh, way to put that there. Um, also, as well, some more thoughts. James also has one more, fellas. Rule number one in a football brawl, keep your helmet on at all times. Yeah, because we've already seen, guys, some very ugly instances already with, again, the Mason Rudolph play with Miles Garrett uh, with his helmet being ripped off last season and other things going on. And also, Christy agrees, still think, though, that no one had Dalton's back or uh, still think no one having Dalton's back was very stupid. I think I agree, and I know uh, Mr. Mullins agrees as well. I think actually the whole panel probably agrees as well. With that, guys, move over to one more football game for a college at least. Of course, God. Michigan and Michigan State. But first, let's, fellas, roll it back and see what happened just a couple of days ago or maybe even a week or so ago here on the six michigan this is jim harbaugh's best team at michigan he finally has his quarterback i know callan keeps saying death taxes and Mich or, uh, michigan losing ohio state well that curse is going to end this year michigan is beating ohio state they have a great offensive line they have a great running game the receivers finally the receivers finally have knowledge of that system and joe milton my oh my was i impressed with this dude this dude has a cannon of an arm this guy runs like lamar jackson i mean he's like lamar jackson but with a cannon of an arm like this guy is going to be great ohio state needs to be trembling right now because the wolverines are on their way to the big 10 championship Mr. Mullins, Mr. Mullins, can oh, you explain Callan. yourself? Callan, uh, I, I'm feeling some sharp pain in my stomach. I think I'm going to have to take the rest of the night off, sir. You want some ibuprofen? <laughs> How about some cheese with your wine? I'll take a sip of this vodka. <laughs> <laughs> got to take his pain out. <laughs> 
Oh man. Don't bail out on us now. <laughs> hang in there. Hang in there. You'll be okay, buddy. Hail, hail to Michigan State, the true best in Michigan. Listen, I, I've, I've been trying to avoid this segment all day today. I, I said all that stuff last week or this past <laughs> Wednesday. I was so hyped up about Michigan. And they let me down again, man. They let me down again. So Michigan has one constant as a program. They always let you down. Callan, John, Steven, Shree, Trevor. What I witnessed today was the worst humiliation known to mankind. You lose to Michigan State. Are you freaking kidding me, Jim Harple? A program that has been on a downward trajectory for the last four to five years. And last week, just last week, they lost to Rutgers. Rutgers, one of the worst programs in all of college football, and you lose to them, not on the road in East Lansing, but in an arbor at your own home? Are you freaking kidding me? Jim, hold on. Before I go on, I need to take another sip. I'm not... <laughs> I want to take a moment right now and – Apologize. I want to apologize to our loyal viewers for spewing that absolute rubbish BS nonsense on Wednesday on fan response. I've learned my lesson, y'all. Michigan is the Cleveland Browns of college football. They are a team that you can absolutely never hype up, no matter if they have one great game or they have two great games or even if they start off 7-0. and Because in the end, we all know this, Michigan will break your heart so you can truly never hype them up. They are truly the walking piece of mediocrity in the words of the great Stephen A. Smith. Jim Harbaugh, let me address Jim Harbaugh right now. Jim Harbaugh is a crook. He is a big, fat crook. As far as I'm concerned, Jim Harbaugh should be arrested right now for stealing the great University of Michigan's money year in and year out. This man, Jim Harbaugh, is getting paid how much money? Let's see. He's getting paid seven to eight million a year. What has Jim Harbaugh done to deserve that kind of money that he is getting paid? He hasn't beaten Ohio State. He has a losing record against Callen's Wisconsin Badgers. He was supposed to be this offensive guru and quarterback whisperer when they brought him in. So far, let's take a look at the quarterbacks that Jim Harbaugh has had at Michigan, and let's see how they have fared. I got the list right in front of me, y'all. Jake Rudock. Jake Rudock is first quarterback in Michigan. Jake Rudock, he did all right for the Maize and Blue. But last time I checked, 
The guy is currently on the practice squad of one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Detroit Lions. Then you move down to John O'Corn. The only thing that John O'Corn is known for is prior to the NFL draft, he proclaimed himself the best player in the entire NFL draft. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? He didn't end up getting drafted. No team wanted him. I mean, this guy is better suited off being a comedian, because that's how funny he is. And then you move on to Shay, you move on to Shay Patterson. This guy, when you first brought in Shay Patterson, he was a highly touted transfer from Ole Miss, who was supposed to be this first round pick. He was supposed to be Harbaugh's next greatest or his first greatest quarterback. Everybody was like, oh, Harbaugh finally has his quarterback. Michigan's finally gonna go to the top of the mountain of the Big Ten. Now, let's, let's look at how Shea Patterson is doing. Shea Patterson was supposed to be a first-round pick when he went to Michigan, but after it was all said and done, guess what happened, ladies and gentlemen? He left Michigan, and he didn't even get drafted. He didn't even get drafted. He went from first-round pick to not even being drafted. That's how far Shea Patterson has fell from yeah, first-round pick to not from first round pick to not getting drafted. Unfreaking believable, right guys? So so Jim Harbaugh, he can't beat his rivals. He hasn't won the Big Ten. He hasn't even gone to the Big Ten championship game. He hasn't even gone to the college football playoffs even once. And he is definitely not a quarterback whisperer from all those names that I just listed. And I'm, I'm sure there's more that Shri and Steven could tell you guys about because I'm forgetting them off the top of my head. And Let's let's look at his offensive rankings. He's supposed to be this offensive guru, right? Well, Jim Harbaugh's offensive rankings right now are consistently in the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. So this guy cannot do anything right, and yet he gets and yet he gets paid seven to eight million a year, like a top five head coach in college football does. Jim Harbaugh needs to be fired in Michigan. Someone call, someone in an arbor. If you're watching our program, call the damn cop. This, this absolute crook, because he is stealing money year in and year out from your program. Arrest him immediately and let this, and let, get this man to stop stealing money from your program. I am extremely sick to my stomach, Callan. I, I'm just 100% done with Jim Harbaugh. I'm done with Michigan. Done. D O N E. Go ahead, John. Hey, Isaiah. You asked me and Tree to uh, go ahead and give our thoughts and speak them. I think I can play it a lot better than I can speak it. Guys, this is my first time playing trumpet in four months, but I'm going to play this song for you guys. I call it Hail, Hail to Michigan State, the true victors of Michigan. Sparty, the true victors of Michigan. 
Encore, encore, encore. That was amazing, Stephen. That was a little rusty, guys. First time in but it's first the time in four months playing the trumpet. That and he plays it on air for the Halloween spectacular. Bravo, bravo, good sir. Bravo, 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 bravo. We'll have an encore later on as we approach uh, the first hour being done of our Halloween spooktacular. Um, John, I don't know if anyone can top the rant from Isaiah, but we'll let you try to pick up the pieces. Again, as mentioned, Michigan State beats Michigan at 27-24 on Halloween. Well, Isaiah had a mouthful, and he pretty much said everything that needed to be said. But to add to that, I'm just going to say Michigan – has failed its brand in history um, so horrifically that, you know, Michigan State and Ohio State have made a complete mockery out of this Michigan football program. Uh, to them, this is funny. This is very hilarious. And when you look at it from a bigger picture, Michigan football has become the laughing stock of not only the Pac-10, but of college football. Um, it's an ugly situation for the Wolverines. I think it's time for a new coach, but I don't know what it will take for Michigan to finally face reality and come to their senses and finally realize that Jim Harborough is no longer that guy. Um, I don't know what is so special about Jim Harborough that they want to hang on to him, that they don't just want to, you know, um, disassociate themselves from him because they're not getting it done. He has not been. He has not beaten Ohio State. His team lost to a lousy Michigan State team today. That's not good for Michigan. It's an utter embarrassment. And if I'm Jim Harborough, I'm ashamed of myself. I really am because I have all this talent on my team and it's just not working out. You know, Michigan lost at home at Ann Arbor 27-24 to a 24-point underdog, a 24-point underdog Michigan State. This Harborough experiment in Ann Arbor has not worked. It has spiraled completely out of control. And, you know, this team has fallen into a pit of mediocrity. It's an ugly, ugly scene right now in Ann Arbor. And I, I think it's just time for Michigan to come to their senses and realize that they need a change because this is not going to get – better anytime soon. It's going to get worse. Um, Harborough is a good guy. I've always loved his fiery demeanor. I've always loved his character. And I think he does have the potential to be a great coach, just not at Michigan. Michigan is too much of a handful for him, I think. Michigan, I, and I know it was his dream job, but Michigan's not an easy job. It's one of the most difficult jobs in the country. And if you don't do well as a head coach there, you will be run out of town. And I think Michigan fans have seen enough. I think they are calling for change. 
they've made it real clear that they no longer um, want any parts of Jim Harbaugh, and it's just time for a change. I, I mean, this team is inferior at best. This team, uh, you know, has really, really uh, taken a downfall, and I don't think they, they can get back up on their feet anytime soon unless they let go of Jim Harbaugh. This this is worse than Harbaugh's 2-12 and 12 record against top 10 teams, you know. He's 0-5 against Ohio State, and his four consecutive bowl losses is, you know, horrific as well. You know, this is this is getting bad, you know, and it's loss after loss after loss after loss, and it comes to a point where you have to say enough is enough. We need, we need a coaching change. Jim Harbaugh is no longer working out for us. Trevor, you know, I think pretty much the slogan at the Ohio State University is my favorite team is OSU and whoever plays the school from up north. And in this case, it was both schools from up north playing each other. But again, it's the Spartans winning 27-24. And I believe, Trevor, the set I saw the day or saw earlier on Saturday was that Harbaugh is now a combined one and six, I believe, in his career against Sparty and the Buckeyes in his career, though. But I think that Isaiah's right and John's right, though, too, that you know, this is not working. And I think that that probably Michigan probably is trying their damnedest to probably let Harbaugh finish up his contract without getting rid of him right away because he, they may be on the hook for more money or money in general. But Trevor, this is just not working and it's getting worse and worse and worse with every passing loss that Jim Harbaugh has with the Wolverines right now. Uh, Trevor, your takeaways, again, as mentioned, the Spartans win over the Wolverines in Ann Arbor, nonetheless, but again, 27-24, Sparty over the Wolverines today from Ann Arbor, Michigan. In my opinion, Jim Harbaugh couldn't get it done last year. Though he played in Alabama, that wasn't great. It was a wounded Alabama, and you still get slaughtered by them. It just shows you like, you have talent and do well in the Big Ten, but if you go and try to face an SEC team, you get bushwhacked. It's awful. And now you go into, you know, this season, you beat Minnesota. And he's like, okay, Michigan, you know, took care of a, you know, pretender. And they go face little brother, they get waxed. Little brother loses to Rutgers. So in reality, in theory, Rutgers is technically better than the Michigan at this point in time. And make matters worse, Indiana is sitting in the t one of the top spots in the Big Ten East. I don't know how long they're going to stay there. But it's just showing you the tr traditional top teams in the Big Ten right now or in the bottom part of the Big Ten, which is kind of unheard of for most of these programs like Penn State and Michigan. So it's one of those spooky years that 2020 has been. But I think at the end of the day, Michigan is going to need to get rid of Jim Harbaugh if they're trying to gonna get to the Big Ten championship game and get into the college football playoffs. They have to get rid of him. Yeah, and I think, Stephen, that I think anyone who's a Michigan fan who's been, you know, probably giving Harbaugh benefit, benefit of the doubt, they're probably saying, you know, I can't deal with this anymore. Enough's enough. Get this guy out of here, regardless of what you have to do to get rid of him, uh, as mentioned again. Because, you know, guys, I, I know, of course, that in college, more so in college, there are games, though, where you look at on your schedule that are rivalry games that you have history with, that it's like, these are the games you can't lose. I think guys in, in probably in, in one of the sports, probably a lot of people, a lot of people don't watch though is soccer and mainly in, in major league soccer guys, they have these derby games, the rivalry games that you absolutely 
cannot afford to lose, like LA versus LAFC, LA San Jose, Seattle Vancouver. Those are the big games you circle on the you know circle on the schedule. Same in college football when you again have to play you know Ohio State or play Wisconsin or play Penn State or play schools like that. Stephen, you know how much longer you know, and and I think they'll probably. I, I've said this for a long time though, especially this season. If in fact that Michigan once again loses to OSU, Jim Harbaugh has got to be fired regardless of what the school thinks of how great of a job he's done. Because if you're not winning those big games, if you're not beating Sparty and not beating the Buckeyes, you have there's no reason for you to even be, uh, you know, coaching for the Wolverines. But uh, Stephen, your thoughts here on this game? As mentioned, the Spartans win 27-24 over the Wolverines from Ann Arbor on Saturday. New year, same false hope for Mitch again, man. I couldn't uh, stand hearing hail to the victors, so I played hail to the Spartans for you guys, the true victors of Michigan. And uh, the way I look at this game, guys, is that Michigan took advantage of a significantly worse Minnesota team. Minnesota had an outlier year last year, and I sort of realized that with Matthew here, who's joining with us on this program to talk about the boat sinking. But yeah, this Minnesota team clearly was not the same as the one it came in with last year. Last year, they had more defensive pieces. They had Antoine Winfield Jr. They had Tyler Johnson, a uh, great offensive piece right now on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they just lost a lot of assets. And so Michigan um, beating that Minnesota team while at the time it seemed impressive, we saw how Minnesota did this week. We saw how Michigan did this week. And I'm just not surprised at all, Callan. New quarterback, um, new system, but same false hope for Michigan. Simple as that, uh, Steve, has mentioned. Uh, Shree, over to you now, man, has mentioned, you know, Jim. the Jim Harbaugh experience has been a very painful experiment for the Wolverines over the past several years. And like I said, though, in my mind, in college football, maybe more so than any other college sport, though, the games that mean the most to fans, your students, your alumni, your boosters, is when you play those rival those rival schools. You know, whether it's, you know, in my case, it's USD playing Gonzaga or playing Pepperdine, playing Loyola Marymount, playing St. Mary's or playing BYU or in SDSU's case or here in San Diego when you, when you go to SDSU, it's all about beating Fresno State for the oil can in football every year. But in this case, though, when it's a Big Ten rival or rivalry with, you know, so much history between the Wolverines and Buckeyes, and you also have the, you know, the inner city or interstate rivalries between the Spartans and the Wolverines, those are the games you circle, yes, but those are the games you cannot afford to lose. And again, like I said, I believe that Jim Harbaugh's now he combined one and six in his career uh, in Ann Arbor up against uh, the Spartans and also the Buckeyes. So, Shree, give us your thoughts here. As mentioned, the Spartans winning uh, winning over the Wolverines 27-24. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd, I'd like to, you know, share an image that encapsulates all this pain and loss for Michigan fans. Give me a second. There we go. That's better. So, now that I have, uh, you know, my image prepared, Harbaugh is just not working. And uh, – I, as an Ohio State fan, I say this because I want our rivalry to go back to what it was before, right? I want Ohio State to continue to win, but I want it to be competitive. I want Michigan to bring the same intensity into the game as we do. I want Michigan to be out there, you know, trying to get it, hit us, trying to, you know, 
score on us trying to do something, you know, coming into that game with the mentality of we're going to win. This is the game. This is the most important rivalry of all time. Same thing with Sparty. You know, Sparty comes into that game with intensity. You could see they had a game plan. You know, Michigan comes in um, high off their win against Minnesota, and you see that they just come in and fall flat. Every time that's what happens to the game, that's what happened in this game. They just fall flat. Now, what I think is that it's just, it's what, just it seems, what it seems. Michigan, Michigan does care. not care. Jim Harbaugh does not care. It sounded like we had ourselves a robotic attack uh, with the Shree's take there. Uh, hopefully we'll get Shree and those audio problems fixed in just a moment. Um, Isaiah, we'll go back over to you. We know, we know, of course, you've been sulking and drinking your troubles away, buddy, as time has gone on here. But Isaiah, give us your thoughts here more so about Harbaugh. We already heard the rant earlier, uh, but give us your thoughts here again about maybe the future perhaps for um, uh, Jim Harbaugh's maybe uh, not too uh, much longer future with uh, the Wolverines. Well, I know for one thing that Jim Harbaugh is going to send me into rehab for being an alcoholic. I mean, this bottle was like this full from here when I first started my rant and now it's down to here. So Jim Harbaugh, thank you so much. But in terms of the future, like I said, Jim Harbaugh is a crook. He needs to be fired immediately. Um, you know, this is just not working um, for Michigan. I think that also for Jim Harbaugh's sake, you know, you've been there for what, eight years now. I think this is the eighth year. So he's got to get a new, I think a new change of scenery will do him good, but let's just face it, guys. Michigan will never fire Jim Harbaugh as much as we want him fired. Michigan will never do it because Jim Harbaugh is Michigan's prodigal son. He is the golden boy there. Like, he is the guy that, as a little boy, he would sit in Bo Blecker's office, every, like, before practice and just – you know, listen, watch Bo work his magic, and then he would also go to practice with his dad, Jack Harbaugh, who was an assistant coach coaching in Michigan. And also Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback for Michigan when they had lots of success in the uh, in the mid-'80s. So I don't think Michigan's going to fire Jim Harbaugh because it's going to be a bad look for them. I think what's the most likely outcome is that Jim Harbaugh just decides to go to the NFL or decides to step down. Um, but, you know, if – if Jim Harbaugh does step down, even though I went on this huge rant about how he's a crook and he's stealing money and he needs to be arrested, blah, blah, blah. I think that if I'm USC and Jim Harbaugh is on the market, I am sending a plane over to an Arbor, Michigan, third, like, and like one minute after I hear the news that Jim Harbaugh has stepped down or, you know, he got fired or whatever, I am sending a plane to an Arbor, Michigan to pick Jim Harbaugh up because Jim Harbaugh is a major upgrade over the clown that USC currently no! has a head coach in Clay Helton. No! John is Jim not a Harbaugh fan of that idea. All day no, no, over no. Clay Helton. Oh, Clay Helton no, is no way. Clay Helton is the Jason Garrett of college football. This man always goes seven and six or eight and five at a Power Five program in USC that that doesn't care about your stupid. I actually uh, agree with Isaiah. or whatever. We want championship. I'm tired each and every year of saying holiday bows or not even making the, a bowl game for goodness sake. We and Jim and and, and, and and Jim Harbaugh. Hey, hey, Jim, Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh I've never gotten. Listen to this. Jim Harbaugh's never gotten Michigan to a Rose Bowl. 
At least Clay Helton did. But you could also make the argument that Clay Helton already walked into a situation where the team was built. So I don't know. Jim Jim Harbaugh has never finished more than better than second in his division. Not in the Big Ten. He's never finished better than second in his division, which means he's never finished more Michigan than third best. The Michigan team he inherited is not exactly Ohio State or yeah. even Wisconsin. The Michigan team, think- the Michigan team he inherited, is the second best team in the Big Ten consistently in terms of recruiting. The Michigan team that he inherited last season sent ten players to the NFL. Five and seven before Michigan. he came. Yeah, there ten were five hundred before he came. USC yes, but he was able like- to recruit at that level. He was able to come in and recruit at a level. He was able to get his own players in. He was able to get uh, his own coaches, his own staff, whoever he wanted. He was able to run this program. You put the Harbaugh in the Pac-12. Come on, man. You're telling me he can't no. win the Pac-12? He can't win. He can't win no, anything. No. Come on. He can win the no, Pac-12. No way. He no. can't win shit. No. USC. Oh, my goodness. No. USC fans would like this hire. Only because Jim Harbaugh is a flashy name. And remember, he did coach in the Pac-12 once before. He was Stanford's coach. But people would like this hire because it would be an overzealous amount of optimism. Oh, USC is going to win a national championship now because they got a big name, flashy coach, because that's what Hollywood loves out here. They love big names. So they will fall for it. But I'm not going to fall for it because I know how – horrible of a job he did at Michigan and his track record isn't very convincing. So no, no, not, not to USC. No way. Hey Steven, the year before urban Meyer got to Ohio state, Ohio state went five and seven. The first year where urban Meyer got to Ohio state, they went 12 and zero. the next year they went 13 and one. And but then the next year they won the national championship prior to that. Like Michigan no. was never in the national title conversation ever since this century. Like, in the entire 21st century, there's never been a single time that Michigan has been in the national title race without That is Harbaugh. not true. 2006, oh. Ohio State versus Michigan, one versus – Okay, fellas, we we appreciate it, but we need to move on here. We are, in fact, Michigan, running – Look, Michigan has not ha- had a premier coach since Lloyd Carr. I'm going to just say that. Look, Rich Rod was a joke. Brady Hoke was a jo- joke. And now Jim Harbaugh is a joke. We'll get. We'll let Matt Soltis get in on this one, and uh, we'll we'll get uh, Matt's thoughts here, as mentioned. Uh, who is uh, going by the name of the uh, PJ Fleck, the captain of the Titanic? Matt, give us your thoughts, maybe, on the whole entire <laughs> ordeal going on here. Oh, love it, Matt. Thanks. I hope you guys are all having a good Halloween. Just gonna point out there, Jim Harbaugh inherited a team that was five and seven the year before he took over, and. To say that he wasn't in contention, there was one year where they were thought to be like legit and to win the Big Ten East. That was 2016. Bias, but Hawkeyes ruined that. So just throwing that out there. And my roommate and I were talking about this today. He's a Gopher fan. We all know the validity of those people, but... Um, he said, and he made a good point. Who's going to be better than Jim Harbaugh right now at this very moment? Exactly. Yeah. No one, no one in my mind right now 
looks to be better in my eyes than Jim Harbaugh. Yes, it doesn't go, you know, it hasn't gone right right now. But as mentioned, you know, name is flashy, as John alluded to. But also that the the contract in my mind too is what is is what is killing Michigan as well. And again, that flashiness is what we all had pointed out. Some thoughts here, fellas, about the um, about what we have said here in regards to Jim Harbaugh. Casey says that Michigan is done. I think they are in fact done. A uh, quick update on the poll question that we had run though in regards to the Heisman front runner, uh, whether it's Fields or Lawrence, by a long way. 83% of pick fields over Lawrence, as mentioned, again, only two games played so far for the Ohio State. Casey King, a big USC fan, says Urban Meyer to USC of Pelton is done at the Bashir, and he says no thank you to Harbaugh at I USC. I agree. I Christy, completely agree. Christy Wilson. Urban Meyer already lives in Southern California. There you go. Christy Wilson writes in to say that Harbaugh can even beat his own brother in the Super Bowl, as mentioned with Baltimore <laughs> beating the uh, Niners in the Super Bowl. He also, uh, Casey also says real quick, if not Urban, Chris Peterson should be hired by the Trojans as well. That'd be a very good name perhaps as well. But again, folks, as mentioned, uh, that is the uh, scoop of the story with the uh, Michigan Michigan State game, as, uh, as we already alluded to, but again, the Spartans win 27-24 over the uh, uh, Wolverines, with, uh, which brings us, brings us now to a new poll question, folks. Uh, if you were in charge of the Trojans Athletic Department, would you hire Mr. Harbaugh for USC? Give us your thoughts and comment down below. Uh, the panel's already, I see a no from John, a no from Shree, two thumbs up from Steve, no from uh, Matt, and Trevor's like, who really cares? He says he's in the middle. <laughs> I'm ready to move on and talk some NFL football. For a Come on, Trevor. Trevor. Well, well, let me just put it as this. USC needs to bring in talent. And they are struggling to compete with the SEC and the Big Ten. So bringing a big flashy name is basically what will put them back on track. And plus, losing in the Pac-12 literally puts you out of the college football playoff contention. So if you're able to bring in five-star recruits to level as Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, if you're able to do that with USC, they'll be right back in the playoff picture in less than like three years' time. So I think what? getting that flashy name will definitely help USC in recruiting and rebrand them in that golden image of USC. It it, it would probably help rebrand them because I'm tired of seeing them. I'm tired of seeing them getting quarterbacks from modern day and wide receivers from modern day. There's other places where you could recruit across the country other than modern day. I'm just tired of them getting players from that school. Look elsewhere and get players from other parts of the country and see how it works out for you. They've exactly. had some great players come through, though. They've had Sam Darnold. They've had Keaton Slovis. Yeah. They've had these talented, really talented Juju Smith-Schuster. So it's not the talent. It's the coaching. And I don't think that Jim Harbaugh, while he may get a little bit more five-star recruits and maybe some more four-star recruits, I just don't think that at this point he is you know, able to – take a team out there and play with the same intensity week in and week out. And he has these weeks where, you know, you watch them and you're like, are, did they even come to play today? Are they, are they, are they here to win? Or are they here to just, you know, just, just show up and, and see what happens. Right. And, and I think that that is something that you need a coach. You need in a coach that might be even more important than the recruiting. Cause you've seen Kirk Ferentz take this Iowa team to, uh, to the big 10 championship. You've seen what Wisconsin has done 
with far less recruiting prowess than Michigan, right? We've seen that these other teams are able. Northwestern with Pat Fitzgerald. Northwestern doesn't get recruits, but he's made it to the Big Ten Championship. So we've seen what other teams can do. And Jim Harbaugh, despite getting better players than these other coaches, is not able to compete with these programs. Well, he is in the Big Ten East. Yeah, and there's really more not. coaching than just yelling. He's really Probably. not. Mark Mark D'Antonio got significantly worse talent than Michigan in his entirety time at Michigan State. Yet Michigan State was out there, was in the college football okay, playoff. Fair point, fair point. All right. By the way, I have one minor bone to pick with the guy below me, which is Mr. Nick Mullins about the <laughs> – prestigious holiday bowl isaiah you love this city so much you love the coladas <laughs> here why are you so tired of you going to the holiday bowl what gives well hey san diego is paradise it is heaven man it is the nicest place on earth i got no beef with san diego but usc i love the holiday bowl but usc needs to be about national championships year in and year out. And right now under Clay Helton, it's Holiday Bowl year in and year out. This guy's the Jason Garrett of college football. Get this clown out of here immediately. I will I will even pay – if I were rich enough, like maybe I can save up some money, I will personally pay his buyout. <laughs> Isaiah, you're just mad they lost to Iowa. Oh, my goodness. Math, what gift do we have here? It's DJ Flex sinking. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Captain of the Titanic. That is glorious right there. But, again, folks, as mentioned, uh, give us your thoughts again, folks. Involved in the poll question, would you, uh, would Jim Harbaugh be the right uh, hire for the Trojans? Again, comment down below or vote in the live poll question. Casey King, hell no to Harbaugh at USC. Uh, Trevor's falling asleep. I can see middle part of our screen. Christy Wilson, Noda Harbaugh at USC. Uh, Casey also says USC is getting the recruits, but Clay is not the right guy to lead USC to the title, where again, perhaps the Harbaugh thing becomes a thing. But at the same time, though, you, you can't go for that sexy name. I think I've learned that in my time. You know, that, that nice coach, that player out there is not necessarily going to plug you right into the uh, championship uh, conversation. Chardol says yes to Harbaugh being hired by USC. John, you have a look on your face like you want to add on to your point. What do you got for us? Both Clay Hilton and Chip Kelly have to go. It's that simple. They just have to go. Rough times if you were a Pac-12 fan in Los Angeles with both USC and UCLA falling by the wayside. With that, guys, to the other version of football into week number – where are we at here, fellas? Week number eight of the NFL season coming up on Sunday. We had a very interesting game on Thursday between Atlanta and Carolina. John, we'll go to you, buddy. Give us maybe the one or two games or a couple games you're watching very closely come Sunday for week eight of the NFL season. You know, I don't really – I don't really have one in particular that I'm, that I'm really focused on. I do like the Vikings and the Packers, though, because that's a that's – a, well-known rivalry game, and I want to see how well um, Aaron Rodgers performs in that game. I do like the I do like the Steelers and the Ravens. I think that's a, a marquee matchup. Ben Roethlisberger, man, he is sensational this year. He's fun to watch. Um, it's amazing how fast he recovered, and he's a rejuvenated quarterback. It's going to be fun to see him 
uh, go head-to-head against Lamar uh, Jackson. I think that's a, a game to look um, out for and to watch closely. I like what the Steelers have done this year. They're still, they still remain unbeaten in the NFL. Um, they, they look remarkable. They look like a team that can come out of the AFC at this rate. And then, of course, living here in Southern California, I like the Rams and the Dolphins only because the Rams defense has not played um, by their standards this season. They have um, not performed really well to me. They have looked subpar and they haven't, you know, been that defense to really stop the run or stop more or less of anything. So I'm interested to see how well they play against uh, Tua and the Dolphins tomorrow. So those are my three games that I'm watching out for. So, Trevor, we'll go over to you, man. As mentioned, uh, a couple of good games are on the schedule for Week 8. As mentioned, uh, Rams-Dolphins. Again, also Tua Tagovailoa's official NFL starting debut taking place against the Rams and their great defense coming up on Sunday. Uh, of course, uh, you've got uh, games in prime, t- uh, prime time. You have Tampa playing the Giants on Monday Night Football. Trevor, give us maybe the games you're watching closely come Sunday. The games I'm watching closely are definitely going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens battle of the AFC North, I want to say. Yes. Yep. And, you know, Pittsburgh is going with that undefeated streak right now. I think that's going to come to an end. But I think Big Ben will definitely put up some numbers to say, hey, I think he's going to be able to get into the playoffs and maybe do a Super Bowl push to retire after this season. But we have to wait and see to see how the season unfolds. The next game I will keep my eye on is the New Orleans Saints and the Chicago Bears. I think that's just going to be a fantastic game from start to finish. Though it's probably going to be a low-scoring game, I feel like it's going to be like 28-17. Don't know who – I forget who I picked to win, but I definitely tune in that game. It better have been New Orleans. I feel like I think I think I definitely picked New Orleans, but I have to you know double check on that because I got time before kickoff. Yes, it's one, it's one a.m. here, so I got some time. And then the yes, third sir. game that I'm keeping my eye on and seeing where the rookie goes, it's well, I guess a tie for my third game is going to be Tennessee and Cincinnati. See how Joe Burrow Ooh. you know gets through that game against a defense that is not the best defense in the AFC. But a solid defense that can keep a, keep it a low scoring. Obviously, Joe Burrow's put up numbers ridiculous, but can he be able to put up a numbers against a top defense in the AFC? That's what I would want to keep a look at. And then obviously, I'm going to have to go with my Chargers against the Broncos. I feel like Justin Herbert is going to make a statement and be able to beat the Broncos and like saying, "Hey, the Chargers have a nice future with their quarterback." So I'm really hoping the Chargers Chargers can pull off this one. Justin Herbert over Drew Locke, guys. <laughs> uh, I have the Chargers sadly beating Isaiah's man crush uh, in this game. Steven, over to you. What games you got on the schedule for you to watch on week eight for the NFL season, bud? To me, it's easy, guys. It's got to be number one, the Steelers at the Ravens. I mean, this is the battle of divisional supremacy. We know Lamar Jackson has had issues performing in some of the big moments. This is a chance to take control and take back control of the division with the Steelers being undefeated and the Ravens with one loss. They can recover and bounce back here, and Lamar Jackson can once again prove the naysayers wrong and take over that AFC North division. 
The Steelers have been a cute story, guys. Ben Roethlisberger has been serviceable for the Steelers, and that defense has been nasty. But let me tell you this, guys. I do not trust the Steelers when it comes to the playoffs. They don't have a go-to weapon like the Ravens have with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews. When it comes to that consistency, age is going to get to them. I have the Ravens taking this game 24-13 to in a defensive battle. Another really great game to look forward to, guys, is Isaiah's Niners against the Seattle Seahawks. He's got the sunglasses on. He's got the false hope written all over his face, guys. I am here to tell you that the Niners are not indeed back this season. Not only will the Niners miss the playoffs this year, they will win the Super Bowl next year. This year is not their time. They've got too many injuries to deal with. They're just out of sync. And let me tell you, the Seahawks... This is a great, great opportunity for them to begin running away with that NFC West. And when it comes to cl close games, when it comes to narrow and tight battles, there is nobody better out there than that clutch man, Russell Wilson. In fact, he's even better than that bad man, Aaron Rodgers, in these type of situations, guys. I have the Seahawks prevailing 24-20 to 20 over those San Francisco 49ers who will be back next year, not this year. All right, Isaiah, over to you now again, as mentioned. We've, mainly it's been Pittsburgh and Baltimore being the big game on the schedule, as mentioned. Uh, probably a, a race for first place right now in the uh, AFC North division. As already mentioned plenty of times, uh, how will the Ravens, uh, you know, or how, do the Pits, uh, how does Pittsburgh, I should say, uh, keep the momentum going after that uh, late comeback uh, victory or at least holding on for that victory over Tennessee last week. Isaiah, what games are on your schedule for Sunday? You're muted, buddy. Well, Way to go, all, guys. Mullins. You're, Mullins, that is why you are a third-string quarterback right there. <laughs> First of all, I the game that I'm looking forward to tomorrow has is nothing to do with the NFL. I am looking forward to the Taiwan World Series between the K-Song. Yes. No, I'm just kidding, guys. The first game I am looking forward to is I am looking forward to the 49ers against the Seattle Sea Chickens at 125 at 125 p.m. Pacific time on Fox. Listen, I think the 49ers have a great chance to win this game because when you look at it right now, the 49ers have bounced back nicely after a drubbing by the Miami Dolphins in which they dropped their record to 2-3. and three. They lost 43-17 to 17 in that game. And there was a lot of questions whether Jimmy Garoppolo was done and, you know, what the Niners' future uh, had was holding for them. But they bounced back nicely. They've won the last two games against the Rams and the Patriots. And now the hard, the hard part of their schedule comes. You have Seattle then Green Bay on Thursday night football, and then New Orleans. So the 49ers, I believe, out of those three games, I think this game is the most winnable on that schedule because, let's face it, Seattle, they have the worst defense in the NFL, which is saying something because the Dallas Cowboys defense has been absolutely rubbish this season. I think the 49ers will be able to put up a lot of points against the Seattle Seahawks. I think they'll be able to run the football down the Seattle Seahawks' throat. Um, and – 
the 49ers, their defense, minus Nick Bosa, minus D Ford, minus Richard Sherman, they've been really stout defensively the last couple of weeks. I want to see how that, like how they hold up against Russell Wilson and that high-powered sea chicken offense. And also, there's one more thing that you guys all forgot about this. There's going to be no fans at Century Link Field. Century Link Field. The loudest stadium in the NFL, no fans being there has major effects on Seattle. And I think, you know, the 49ers, they will be, they will be able to huddle in this game and they will be able to, you know, get their play calls in and stuff like that. So I can see the 49ers winning this game. And the second game I got to definitely look for is the Broncos against the Chargers because I'm – first of all, I'm starting Drew Locke in my fantasy football. Team. Uh, and you know I need I need Drew Lock obviously to play well in that game. <laughs> also, I think that the Broncos this is a winnable game for them because the Chargers they they've looked good with when Justin Herbert has started, but they just haven't been able to finish games. And normally Broncos Chargers it always comes down to the wire. So those are the two games I'm looking forward to this weekend. All right, Matt, over to you. What do you got for us in regards to uh, games you're watching of note in the NFL? Uh, although I don't think it's going to be that close, I'm a Vikings fan. I think it's going to be really interesting to see what if they're able to recover from the bye. And because um, definitely a lot of changes need to be made based off of that game against the Falcons. And uh, I think that it's going to be kind of a final message for Kirk Cousins, whether he is going to finish out the season or if he's benched. As much as I don't want to see Sean Mannion, I think it's a very crucial game. Another thing, Bears-Saints. I think that the Bears, for the most part, have played an easy schedule, and it's a really good matchup. I think – I mean, Drew Brees missing Michael Thomas for, I think, the sixth straight week. Um, That's a big loss. Another one, Raiders and Browns. I know that's crazy, but I think with OBJ tearing his ACL, I think that that could be interesting to see how they are able to handle that on offense. And it's honestly, it's always interesting to watch Baker Mayfield just simply because he is so hit and miss. And I feel like Derek Carr and the Raiders, yeah, they're three and three, but I think they're a team that you can count on to show up every week. Fair observation. Shree, over to you, buddy. What do you got for us for games you're keeping an eye on on Sunday? Yeah, um, I agree with everybody else on the Steelers and Ravens, so I'm not going to elaborate on that one. I think I think it's already been covered. Um, one of the ones that I haven't heard of uh, yet is the Colts versus the Lions. Now, the Colts are very quiet four and two. Um, you know, I haven't heard too much about them. I don't think they're partic- playing particularly well. Their defense is strong. Philip Rivers has had some struggles this year. But, um, you know, the Lions are a team that I get, I think is looking up. You know, DeAndre Swift is finally looking like that running back of the future. Um, you know, Matthew Stafford is always there, capable of putting up some points and, and playing some, you know, uh, decent offense there in Detroit. So I, I really see this as a battle of strength versus strength. So I'm looking forward to seeing 
um, you know, who comes out on top in that one. Um, another one that I'll have to mention is, uh, unfortunately, my Patriots versus uh, the Bills. So the Patriots, uh, you know, historically have had tremendous success against the Bills. Bill Belichick's record against the Bills, I think, is one of the best of any quarterback um, or I'm sorry, any coach uh, against an, another opponent. And and we we have to see, like, I, I mean, I, I've seen the Pats struggle for the past two weeks, but I'm holding out hope until this game um, because I think that, you know, the Bills may be a springboard to where I'm not saying the Pats are going to win the division or anything, but, you know, maybe you can get our season back on track if we can slow down Josh Allen and that high-powered offense and uh, find some ways to put points on the board. It's going to be difficult. Um, you know, Nikhil Harry's out, Julian Edelman's out, Stephon Gilmore's out, so we have some key players missing. But, you know, I'm still a little optimistic. Um, the eternal optimist in me wants to see this game and wants to see, you know, whether it or not it's truly the Bills' division yet or if it's still – uh, if Bill Belichick can still find a way to pull this out. And the third and final game that I'm looking forward to is the Seahawks versus 49ers. And I'm looking forward to this mostly because it's going to be, um, you know, a very one-sided contest, I think. Um, I think that, you know, it's going to be 43-20 to 20 Seattle Seahawks, and I'm looking forward to Russell Wilson throwing five touchdown passes and Jimmy G throwing three interceptions and, uh, you know, the 49ers get dismantled by the Seahawks um, and start their three-game skid and move them out of the playoff picture. So that's another game that I'm really looking forward to watching tomorrow. Uh, with that, guys, we'll go to the viewers real quick about games they are watching closely come Sunday. First up, it is James, who agrees about the Steelers and Ravens. Niners, Seahawks, and a battle of badly injured rosters. Definitely think that is a good one. Christy will go with her Cowboys against the Eagles on NBC because the Cowboys are starting their third-string quarterback, rookie out of James Madison University, a quarterback again, no Dak Prescott, or now, and, of course, no Andy Dalton in the scheme. And also James writes in as well, uh, Tua Tagovailoa starting for some stupid reason versus the Rams. Uh, maybe some rift there now as Ryan Fitzpatrick has voiced his displeasure about uh, losing his job to the young rookie. And also James says, well, the official passing of the torch game in the AFC East from New England to Buffalo in his mind. And also Casey agrees about Rams-Dolphins. Uh, he thinks the Rams' uh, defense has been great this year and only going to get better as we move along. Other games he'll watch, Pittsburgh-Baltimore, and also Seattle and San Francisco. And also Chardol says he's got Niners-Seahawks, Saints-Bears, Pats, Bills, Broncos, Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, and also about the poll question, folks, in regards to uh, a good hire, bad hire, if in fact the Trojans of USC were to perhaps hire Jim Harbaugh, dead even, 50 yes, 50 no, with him being hired at USC. I am in full agreement with the panel here, folks, in regards to Pittsburgh and Baltimore being one of the better games on the morning slate of uh, the schedule. I'll also go more so as well uh, with the uh, – with uh, the Niners and the Seahawks. So I have Seattle winning this game. I know, of course, that Isaiah had a very valid point, though, about there being no fans, though, at the link coming up on Sunday. But at the same time, though, Seattle is bound to bounce back, though, after giving up that game uh, last Sunday to the Cardinals uh, on the road at State Farm Stadium. And, of course, the Niners have been beat up, banged up, chewed up, and spit out plenty of times with injuries across the board here. But I'll, I think I'll also, though, agree with Christy, though, about this Dallas Cowboys game against Philadelphia. As mentioned, a very bad division, but also – how much longer will the Cowboys go without having to sign another quarterback? Is a third-string quarterback? 
is now starting this game. And again, the Eagles have looked very lackluster as uh, the year has progressed on. But again, folks, we'll take your thoughts here. It's still too on those games you may in fact be watching across the board. Again, folks, as a reminder here, again, this multi-hour event will roll on for uh, the next several minutes here. As mentioned, we thank you folks for staying up late and for, again, joining us here on this Halloween Saturday, maybe early Sunday morning. If you folks are joining us here still on the East Coast. Uh, Stephen, I want to give you the floor, man, for the next couple minutes here, if not maybe longer. Again, as we're uh, more so folks to mention, say Halloween spectacular here for the MI6 Sports Network. But also, again, folks, a celebration, though, again, about how, in fact, uh, the network has progressed and moved on. Uh, up to bigger and better things ever since uh, this thing was founded. Stephen, we'll give you the floor, though, man. I, w I don't want to really put words in your mouth or, you know, take away your thunder because pretty much, man, you know, you and Isaiah, uh, Shree and Martin, the rest of the gang, pretty much uh, starting this thing out. Kind of in a way, though, more so, Stephen, as a joke pretty much done earlier on during the pandemic shutdown. So, Steve, I'll give you the floor for the next several minutes here to, again, kind of talk about how this whole idea kind of came to fruition with you guys starting up the MI6 Sports Network. Floor is all yours, sir. Uh, go for it, please. Well, the MI6 Sports Network started out with just me and Ryan. We did our um, podcast together, and I did my podcast with Isaiah as well. So I had uh, two shows with um, Isaiah and Ryan. With Ryan, I had fan response, and with Isaiah, I had carpool chats. And then the pandemic hit, and that's when we started bringing all sorts of people into our streams because we had just started using Zoom. Shout out to Zoom. Uh, the software we used before StreamYard. And then we started bringing Trevor in all the time. He was the six-man Williams man. He was always filling in for us and, you know, having great shows with us. And we started bringing Tree in as well for his expert opinions on the Patriots and all things NFL and just, uh, you know, putting Isaiah's takes to rest as well. And Isaiah came in a couple times on my shows with Ryan and everything. So um, pretty much this whole thing started out with just, you know, we had a couple of shows that I would do with my friends and Isaiah had his shows and we merged them all together into one network. Now, naturally the pandemic was going on and we called it quarantine chats. Um, but you know, what we figured out about that name was there are a lot of podcasts and just networks in general with the moniker of quarantine something. You had the quarantine network that Callan has, you have quarantine chronicles. We actually invited someone named Lucas Weiss to come on and, talk some sports with us. And overall, we needed something more creative. So then Ryan comes along and he actually um, came up with the name. What about MI6? I was just searching up great group names. We started with six people originally. First, we have the six man Williams. Um, and then we got Asian Skip Bayless, Isaiah Leung. He's Nick Mullins today. And you got me, Jason Voorhees over here. And we have Ryan. And we had Tree and we had Martin, who started the website for us later. So then this thing got started into the MI6 Sports Network. And then after you and Jonathan joined the board, um, we, we had about 10 members. And that's when things really started taking off, guys. I mean, Martin made the website for us. Uh, uh, it's sad that him and Ryan can't be joining with us today. And then just from that website, everything was taking off. We were writing articles. And we're getting so many different likes on the page every day. I started uploading all of our podcasts on Anchor and we introduced a wild sports talk as a part of acquiring you and Jonathan. And now it's evolved into the thing it is now today with over uh, 4,000 followers on Facebooks and likes um, with over 1,400 Anchor listens. We just appreciate all the support that you guys have uh 
provided us and we have a platform now we have a platform thanks to all of you guys out here um christy wilson shardal gupta ian glenn and matt ong who mostly tune into our anchor podcast james gonzalez all, all of these guys just you know contributing so much in the comment section contributing so much day in and day out when we have these shows we appreciate you guys all and you know long story short it started from uh, a couple of guys being bored talking about sports during the pandemic and then needing a more creative name and then we got the mi6 sports network so really appreciate it guys Isaiah, I'll go to you again. We sadly lost John Mathis again. Those uh, technical difficulties coming to fruition about an hour and 40 into this uh, multi-hour show. But again, Isaiah, you know, for someone like myself who's been working in sports for 11 years and seeing everything come to a screeching halt in March and thinking, what am I going to do with myself pretty much? And, you know, John and I had kind of done a couple of off-the-wall podcasts. I was doing a thing, still doing a thing every morning where I was doing updating people about uh, sports news and what was going on with the sports world trying to come back in the midst of this ongoing pandemic. It's still the uh, brewing pandemic going on. And then, you know, it, it, it comes about in, I think, June or July, uh, Isaiah, that John approaches me and then you saying, hey, we want to do this podcast called Wild Sports Talk. And, you know, we did a couple episodes and then Stephen, I think, was very, very generous to say, hey, bring it on over to the platform that we have here on the MI6 Sports Network. And, you know, it's it's been very, you know, awesome to be a part of. But uh, Isaiah, maybe give us your uh, your story and your thoughts about how, in fact, uh, you know, because, again, being one of the founding fathers in the network that you have been, though, Isaiah, uh, give us your thoughts and more so, again, maybe more about the uh, story of the network starting and, again, uh, how things have progressed in your mind ever since. Well, first of all, I just want to say that, um, you know, it's been an honor and a great privilege to be part of this network, doing shows like almost every day. And, you know, it's just been so much fun. Like this, doing shows each and every day is the highlight of my day, to be honest with you, because right now I'm not working due to the pandemic and not a lot of people are hiring. So like basically I'm just at home every day. And the one thing that keeps me sane is doing shows and preparing for shows. So, you know, honestly, like this network started as a, it started as Steven saying something really stupid. Like when we were driving around one day, he was like, I asked him, I think, Will the Orlando Magic make the playoffs? The Magic right now are in sixth, yeah, they're in the sixth place in the Eastern Conference. This was like two years ago. And I asked him, like, hey, do you think the Magic will hold on and make the playoffs? And he said no. And I was so shocked by it because the Magic actually had a 10-game lead on whoever was in ninth place that year. I forgot who it was. And then I just took out my phone and I just started recording Steve. And I was like, yo, say this for the camera. We need you on record, like, muttering this bs nonsense and we got it on record we called it carpool chats and all of a sudden like that from that moment just started this whole network so it's really crazy to see how um that moment started everything but you know honestly i'll tell you guys this you know 2020 has been a very dark year for everybody um whether it's covid deaths or you know not people not being able to go to work but for me, even though it sucks that I was like my trip to Hawaii got canceled, I couldn't work for the A's this year or the 49ers. I think that this 
this pandemic was a blessing in disguise because without it, I don't think I would have been able to meet all of you guys, all these wonderful people here on the network and, you know, finally find uh, what I wanted to do in life. You know, for the last couple of years, ever since I graduated high school, I had really struggled with what I wanted to do in life. You know, I never knew what I wanted to do. I know a lot of people, they always like they have like a dream. But for me, it was like I wanted to do something in sports, but I couldn't figure out what it was. And after this pandemic um, shut everything down and I got into podcasting, I figured out that I really liked it. And this was the career that I wanted to, you know, continue getting into and um, and pursuing and making this like a full time job one day. So, you know, it's been a blessing in disguise. I'm so thankful that we have the network. And also this network has provided a lot of great Great memories, such as like my take about Michigan, my rant about Michigan, uh, John and Callan walking off the set, and John saying, "What did you just say?" When I said that I would rather, ha I would take like, Luke Walton. What? Yes. What yeah, like like that one right there, and you know, John and Callan also walking off the set when I said I would rather have. Well, no, when I said that. Um, I would take Denver over Kansas City, even though they just won the Super Bowl. And, you know, also <laughs> from. Wow. And then I remember on fan response, you know, I went with Ryan and Steven and right the week before the Super Bowl, I said, hey, as a Niner fan, I don't fear Patrick Mahomes one bit. And that created another uh, another video, another GIF, but you know, we've had so many great memories on this network. Um, we, I've met so many people, uh, in this network. It's just amazing, man. And, you know, we definitely need to continue this because this is such a great, uh, great network. And I'm so happy to be a part of And Callan, I want to add one more memory to this network. If I could, um, can you give me a count? A three, two, one countdown, please, bud. Three, two, one. Sunk the boat, sunk the boat, Minnesota sucks. Thank you to Maryland for putting them in their place. Hey, sunk the boat, sunk the boat, Loxley sunk the boat. Thank you to Maryland for sinking the boat. Golden Gophers fans, that is for you. The boat has been sunk. Isaiah, you should publish that. Steven, Steven didn't quite walk all the way off the set, but it was pretty damn close. Uh, we, we've, of course, folks have had all those uh, moments come to, come to fruition. As you want Steve some, is, Steven? <laughs> Steve's putting the hockey mask back on and uh, putting the uh, Ohio State uh, hat back on and grabbing the baseball bat. So just going back to prove that uh, Michigan cannot beat, uh, uh, beat Ohio State. Uh, with that, uh, Trevor, we'll go over to you, buddy. As mentioned, uh, we're getting some more people on again. Uh, John had some technical problems, but, uh, you know, Trevor, you know, we called you six man Williams, uh, because whenever we get a guest on wild sports talk, I, the creative director, I guess, of some of the graphics you see on screen and stuff like that, make these like kind of off the wall, 
but authentic Wild West wanted posters, like you're actually, you know, a wanted criminal in the wild, wild west. And of course, I, I couldn't think of a nickname for you because I was being called the annoying loudmouth. Isaiah's nickname was, I think, uh, Isaiah No BS Leung. And of course, John was, uh, you know, Judge John Mathis or the sports judge, whatever it was. And I couldn't really think of anything, but I thought, you know, Trevor's like the first fill-in co-host. We can call him Six Man Williams because of him coming off the bench to help us out during a program. And of course, Trevor, you've been a part of this thing for the longest time. Uh, maybe your thoughts and about uh, how, in fact, you got started here with the MI6 Sports Network. Yeah, I came in like, I feel like in the spring of 2020 before COVID went underway. Cause I think I was like the first ever, I guess, special guest on carpool chat. I think that was like episode 26. And from there it was just like, it slowly started to progress. And Steven and Isaiah started to do more episodes. And then when COVID hit, literally we had to change focus. And it was just us like saying, oh, we're just spending like time on the phone, just chit chatting and like saying, hey, let's all go and do a podcast with it. So we shifted focus. So we had like hour an hour to prep for the show. And then we ended up transitioning doing like, you know, a two hour show or a 90 minute show and then just talking after the show. So it was like a whole like three hour like preparation for like just one episode. It was great. And the experience has like been fantastic from, you know, just exploring the different networks, the different opportunities we had, the different name changes. And from all the like, I guess, fun shenanigans we do from like, you know, my Captain Kirk to me filling in like last minute, getting a call from my Zay, be like, Trevor, can you come on the show real quick? And then getting calls from Isaiah like at 3 a.m. So it's one of those fun experiences. Even the shows that are like the late night shows, like this one, for example, I'm able to step up to the plate, fill in. And I think at this point, if you had a six man of the year award, I think I would be able to be a top candidate in it. I don't know if I would be able to win it, but it depends who was the other. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. Yes, vote for me for the six candidate, the six man award for the MI6 network. And let's see if I can bring that home. But this has been a fantastic show. I've been an editor for Isaiah's, you know, articles. So I've basically almost done almost everything on the show, I would say. And I wouldn't trade it for anything else. Matt, you know, you and I don't know each other very well. I mean, I've come on, I think I had to fill in once because Isaiah had tech problems on fan response and I got to kind of know your style a little bit. But at the same time, though, man, you know, uh, uh, you and Steven going back, a, you know, going back a long ways. I don't think a lot of people out there, Matt, could really say they have a friend still from like elementary school, middle school in this day and age. You know, I still have one from elementary school, 20 plus years. You know each other and you and Steven kind of going all the way back as well. Uh, Matt, give us your thoughts here about uh, your time being here and how it's been for you uh, being on it for the past several months again due to the ongoing uh, COVID concerns. And again, uh, the crisis we've been stuck in for the past several months. And well, tell us about the Gophers game, Matt. For all of us. Oh, Steven, we could make another episode on that. Um, but by the way, good job performing that song with the trumpet. I haven't touched my yes, entire yes, time yes, in Bravo. Like, encore, encore. I, thank you. Like, thank no you. joke. Steven and I go back. This is how far we go back. Sixth grade band class, we both played the trumpet. So when he played that song, I remember playing that song for one of our concerts. Why? We live in Minnesota. I don't know why. Um, but I've been on this show three times, I think. And 
I don't know. It's just, it's fun. It, I mean, I'm still in school, so it just kind of gives me a little bit of time to decompress and talk sports. I mean, especially when Isaiah throws out something as crazy as like, I mean, the Phillies winning the world series or the like Broncos finishing better than the chiefs. Like it's kind of one of those things where it brightens your day just cause it's funny. Um, I don't know. It's just it's, it's a good way to kind of decompress and do something fun with uh, some friends. I mean, I've met a lot of people. I mean, did, I never thought that I would have ever talked to an ESPN analyst for the Vikings before this. So it's been a good time. Good time for sure. Some viewer comments here, guys, as mentioned, we're having some of the guys again, uh, stuck with technical difficulties as mentioned already uh, throughout the course of our time here on the network. A couple of thoughts here, guys, as mentioned, we already read a couple uh, from Christy Wilson. Again, the network is growing. Uh, James Gonzalez says, thank you guys very much for all the programs. Your opinions are simple. They're direct and not fake, which is great. Of course, we hear that all the time, probably from other uh, programs as well. Uh, Angel is here after his niece's birthday. What did I miss? A lot of college football talk, but also, again, us, again, celebrating, again, the uh, time here on the MI6 Sports Network. Also, some more thoughts uh, real quick. Uh, what do we got here going on? Uh, Casey is ready for next year. I think all of us are as well. But I'll tell you what, I've only been here or tuning in since last month, but you guys have been awesome with these shows on the network. And I thank, all, uh, thank you all for welcoming my thoughts on here. Hope this continues to keep going for a long time. That is the plan right now at this juncture. Also, as well, Angel agrees that MI6 is growing fast and just getting started. I concur 100%. Uh, Casey was talking about a couple of missed uh, trips. The Royals and the Twins for baseball games this year, past summer, plus the home opener for the Rams at SoFi Steam, but hoping to get there next season. Definitely agree. Angel missed two Rams games, a Charger game, an LAFC game, a Galaxy game, two Dodger games, two Angel games, a Padre game, and a wrestling event at USC's Galen Center as well. And Casey says, hard to believe my last road trip to California was last December for a Gulls rain game, and he saw me when the game was over. Also saw the Rams last game at the Coliseum the next day, but and boy, didn't think that would be my last sports trip for a while. He also missed, uh, uh, missed, uh, also missed some uh, trips to see the LA Kings play, some Dodger games, and of course USC football as well. Uh, Stephen, we'll go over to you pretty much. Just want to kind of uh, maybe not really clarify, but kind of talk about all the programs in a very small role because, as mentioned, many know there's been it, it went from you know like one program to two programs to what it is now, as uh, we've already talked about. You know, with so many ideas coming into fruition. Of course, this is all pretty much post adding. John and myself and Isaiah, or more so adding the Wild Sports Talk program uh, here on the fold for the network. But, uh, Stephen, uh, maybe in a way, though, kind of talk about, you know, how, in fact, you know, quarantine chats and carpool chats kind of went uh, for the first part of the pandemic before, again, all the changes kind of uh, kind of came around the time of July. Well, so before the pandemic, we had fan response and we had carpool chats, really just two shows. And fan response was the show with me and Ryan on Tuesday and carpool chats was whenever Isaiah and I were on the car and we needed to speak some sports, we needed to record some good old stuff for my Bluetooth car radio. That's what we would do. And we kept having um, Trevor and Ryan on, on carpool chats. And as soon as the pandemic hit, that really incentivized to go into, incentivized us to go into more of a, the Zoom broadcasting, which could host up to you, you know, 
uh, 20 different people, I believe. And so instead of carpool chats, we replaced that with quarantine chats, which we would have every Friday. And we had two shows a week, me and Ryan on Tuesday, and then quarantine chats with the entire crew of me, Ryan, Trevor, Isaiah, and we added Martin and Tree later. And then once you and Jonathan came aboard, we absorbed Wild Sports Talk, which um, I really wanted to get you guys on. Um, you guys have been a great addition to the team. Like, I can't stress that enough. Like, it's just the entire dynamic of this network changed when Wild Sport Talk, Sports Talks came into the mix. And then, of course, in between, we had no BS because we needed a show, another show for uh, Isaiah to drag Trevor into, but this time not as just a fill-in guest, but a show specifically having Trevor weekly. And that had Trevor and Isaiah. Of course, Trevor uh, was a little bit concerned about maybe Isaiah going off the rails and everything a little bit more without me managing him as much, but it turned out great. And so when Wild Sports Talk entered the mold, we started adding in more shows, that, like the night shift, and um, interviewing special guests and all of that. And so now we've got this beautiful program lineup, you know, with Wild Sports Talks on Mondays, Wednesdays, um, and then we have the night shift on Tuesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and we got no BS on Friday, and it's just a perfect schedule, man. Trevor, I want to go to you now and kind of talk more about no BS, as mentioned. This is a program, folks, with myself, Isaiah, Trevor, and Furman Lee, who's going to be joining us very, very shortly here as, in fact, the spooktacular rolls on. But, Trevor, you know, as we had kind of touched base on, though, man, you've been known pretty much your entire, I'd say, career here on the network as kind of being – that fill-in guy to kind of keep things, you know, kind of be that six-man, though. But, uh, Trevor, give us your thoughts, though, about the program and pretty much, you know, uh, how this idea kind of came to fruition with uh, more, more so you being involved with the program and not having to kind of be that guy to come on at, like, the very last minute or second. So, like, with no BS, that's basically my wheelhouse and everything that I do on the MI6 Sports Network. I think when we first started off, it was going to be, like, almost like a free-for-all show where we just talk about sports, have outlandish takes, and just had some fun. Almost like a sort of theme for the whole wild sports talk. But the original no BS in the format was me and Isaiah were going to debate each other. And at the end of the show, we were going to have a poll saying who won, like had better arguments for that episode. And then a few episodes in later, that's when I think like five episodes in later, we introduced the Power 5 segment, and we just started going through it. It made it its own specialty. So we had, like, you know, favorite barbecue sides because 4th of July happened or favorite soda drinks, favorite candy, which we did, you know, two weeks ago, and then Halloween costumes. So the list goes on and on with no BS. And it's one of those things, once you are able to be a host on a show or to moderate, it really opens up the door for you to be on other podcasts or even start additional podcasts to what you do. Cause once we see on, you know, on our network, there's a lot of shows that just get, you know, sparked up and saying, Hey, let's go do this podcast episode. Obviously when more time goes into the future and when things are a little bit more normal, MI6 network may, you know, produce more shows and fill in other gaps in the day where it's like, we're almost on, almost 24 seven, but though we have lives outside of this, but we're going to wait and see what, you know, 21 has. I know we have a lot of great stuff planning for all you guys. So make sure you stay tuned and, you know, like, subs I guess, subscribe on our YouTube channel. So you get all the notifications 
when we go live so you don't miss anything when 2021 comes rolling around. Isaiah, over to you. Of course, you're pretty much the bread and butter or the straw that serves the drink here in regards to appearing, I think, on every single program, it seems like, maybe minus fan response on Thursday. But you're on with me and John on Monday and Wednesday. You're on with the night shift on me on Tuesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, of course, you're pro making appearances on Thursdays uh, on fan response. And, you know, Isaiah, you're pretty much, you know, in, in my case here, holding this, you know, pocket knife because apparently Howard Stark thinks I wouldn't attack Captain Rogers with a pocket knife. But you're pretty much the Swiss army knife of this entire operation. Again, being able to go and be so versatile and be on one program one night, go to the next night and do a different program. But Isaiah, you know, no BS kind of in a way reminds me a little bit, kind of in a way of like, you know, PTI mixed in though with, with the sports nation, because you're talking about having people vote on certain topics or certain things and things of that caliber. But Isaiah, give us your thoughts though about no BS and again, how that program went to where it's at right now. Well, first of all, no BS started because me and Trevor, we would always talk on the phone like almost every single day. And I guess like we, we, we would always get into like heated debates about sports, whether it was NBA or ML, not MLB, NFL or college football. I mean, one time like we were on the phone, I thought it was going to only be like a 30 or like a 20 minute call. It ended up being an hour and a half because we literally spent an hour debating if Yao Ming had gone to the Los Angeles Lakers instead of Pau Gasol, how many championships would Kobe and Yao would have won? And we got into a whole debate over it. And I guess, Trevor, correct me if I'm wrong, but one day we were just like, for some reason, we just decided, hey, you want to do a podcast together because, you know, like we, we have good discussions on the phone. You want to transition it to where the audience can hear us talk, I guess. So that's when we started No BS. And I we came up with this like weird, like this Power 5 idea because, you know, we – me and Trevor looked at it this way. We looked at it like that um, the that, – that, like we already had so much sports talk on the network. So we decided, hey, why not we try to sprinkle in some stuff that isn't sports so the fans that aren't sports fans can tune in and it could be like a great wrinkle to the show. And we did it. I think the first episode of No PS, we did like – pizza so yeah i think we did pizza and it was really fun and you know a lot of the audience out there was really stunned because i told them hey the reason why i didn't put the barbecue chicken pizza on my list is because i can't handle spice whatsoever i mean the only spice i could handle cheetos for good i can't even eat hot cheetos that's how much like that's how that's how weak I am in the spice department. I literally put my own race to shame because I can't handle spice. But enough of the spice talk. But, like, we just decided to, you know, get the Power 5 in there as, like, an interesting wrinkle to the show. And I think we, we – we, like, the show did really good. It was going great. But we felt like that um, if me and, me and Trevor, our strong suits aren't moderating. Our strong suits are, like, just giving our opinions out. So it was kind of cringe. So that's when we got Callan into the show. And I'm so thankful that Callan agreed to do it. And then uh, we – we just did the show like that, and it was, it's been fun. And then we also added Furman as well. So it's, it's been really, really fun, especially the Power 5. And also now we have the Pigskin Pick'em, and uh, we might have some new segments along the way. But 
so far the show has been tremendous. Uh, I think No BS Callen, correct me if I'm wrong, has been like the second uh, highest rated show on our network so far. That is correct. Yeah. So it's yeah. So No BS. You know, we we honestly, me and Trevor, when we first started, we thought that No BS, we would be lucky to get even a hundred views. And the first episode got, I believe, like nine hundred. We had like thirty people watching it at once. It was so crazy. But it's been a it's been a wild ride. Um, it's been great. Uh, I can't wait to continue no BS and see what season two and season three brings. And, you know, hopefully I don't make Callum go crazy on no BS now if I pick the Chargers over some big team. Well, you already learned your lesson, but I, I got them beating Denver this week. Uh, with that, we do, folks, welcome on the other member of our no BS broadcast team, our good buddy Furman Lee joining us as well uh Furman you know as mentioned man you kind of in a way have been a guest as well with us on WST and of course now a full-time member of our no BS broadcast team uh Furman yeah first of all man good to see you happy Halloween man thanks for being here finally as mentioned I know we've had a lot of things going on on the Saturday night but uh Furman maybe give us your thoughts here about being a part of the network and we're kind of in a way reliving the past a little bit you know of course us coming over uh me more so John and myself coming over uh, to the network back in July, of course, with uh, myself and Isaiah and John doing Wild Sports Talk coming over here. And again, being a part of a very amazing outlet and a very great platform. Uh, Furman, give us your thoughts about being a part of the team, but also as well helping us out on OBS every, uh, every Friday as well. Well, first off, happy Halloween, guys. Um, well, I'm really excited to always, you know, have op op my opportunities to be to join this network and all and be able to speak every week and also discuss on a lot of opinions and new topics, whether it's sports related or not. So really appreciate that Isaiah has set up a really great segment, um, really great segments for no BS and just, you know, being able to invite guests over as well as have, have me over occasionally, um, you know, to join this network and speak on a lot of, a lot of topics. And I really enjoy picks, you know, discussing picks and pickums every week and also uh, discussing, all the power five, you know, segments. These are what makes uh, that no, this is what makes no BS a really great show, um, you know, for everyone, including, uh, you know, us and also the audiences. And I also came into a similar boat as uh, Isaiah and Trevor. I think we just talk a lot about, you know, what about our own opinions on sports matters and other things that we enjoy or we don't enjoy. And all of that, all of, a lot of that factors in and as, as it becomes, um, as there be, as there are more people in our group chats, more people in discussions, you know, it, it has to become a big thing. It has to become, you know, not just a simple phone call, and, and an entire thing just evolved into a lot of different uh, segment, a lot of different shows for our MI6 Sports Network, including we used to have a quarantine chats. That's what I used to be a be a part of, and then um, Stephen, Stephen, Isaiah, and I had great talks there, but. Moving on to no BS, that you know, this was also a great uh, network set up by Isaiah, and I really appreciate it. Um, we have a lot of fun talking about everything, and I think most of the time, um, especially in group chats or even personally, uh, we get into these debates a lot and we end up kind of setting each other up for like bets. And I think that's where all the fun begins. We kind of we kind of try to out debate each other, and yes, sometimes you know, both of both Isaiah and I, and even others like Steven, we could make some really outlandish uh, claims or comments about a certain thing that, you know, that we have, that we're strongly opinionated or favor, 
favoring and that becomes a huge debate for everybody especially in the group chats and i i think that's what i find really entertaining so i'm glad that we made we got that part um we included all of those parts at least you know the controversial topics we we put that out there as polls for everybody to decide you know who who they favor or who they, who they don't favor and that has become a big part of the show and i really enjoy um hearing everybody's opinions and analysis on that uh we finally folks have uh judge john mathis back with us uh, john don't don't feel uh, please not feel bad buddy we have you know you know pretty well man about all these damn technical difficulties you have to sit through but john you know i kind of in a way touch base on it i'll let you go further in depth though but you know you had approached me i think back in may or june to kind of start a podcast and we had kind of done McClurgan Mathis for a couple of weeks or every so often on like a Tuesday afternoon just to kind of, you know, get our feet wet, kind of get our chemistry down and stuff like that. Then, of course, we take uh, an offer to uh, start a podcast on a different platform. It goes well for three weeks, but then we see Stephen and Isaiah or, you know, Isaiah says, well, hey, I have friends that have this other uh, platform out there that, that uh, you know, we'd love to have you guys join because of the team chemistry and, you know, the fun that we are having and stuff like that. And of course, John, we come over here though, and you know, I don't want to, you know, toot, you know, toot my horn or toot, or toot your horn, but probably this may have been like maybe the biggest blessing in disguise, so that we, you know, left a former, you know, a former affiliate to come here though, because now, man, it's been a very, you know, amazing last several months though. Uh, John, more so, kind of give the viewers the rundown of how you and I kind of got linked up with the podcast for, and, uh, and also how WST became born and, and uh, also came over here to the six. Well, before I was rudely interrupted by technical difficulties, <laughs> I will gladly go into that. Um, I ran across you, Colin, uh, through social networking. I believe you added me as a friend. You saw my work. Um, you shared with me on multiple occasions how much you admired my writing. And I would comment back and say, I totally appreciate it. Then I started watching you because I was uh, amazed by your talent and your ability to be a great sportscaster that you are. And, you know, I was just uh, greatly inspired by your voice and, and your work and and the, the talent that you put on display. Um, it's just simply amazing. And, and you're like that now. And so as I started watching you, as time went on, it um, inspired me to reach out and not only to do more for myself, but to reach out to you and to ask you if you would be willing to do a podcast uh, with me because I'm the type of person who likes to surround myself with successful people. And I saw how very successful you were. And I said, you know, Maybe if I reach out to Colin and maybe if I do some work with him, this can help me grow as a podcaster and help me improve tremendously in what it is that I wanted to do. And and right and rightly so, it did. Um, so that's how we kind of linked up. Um, you know, I believe people uh, cross paths for a reason. I do believe that people um, meet up for a reason, you know, uh, we meet people uh, for a reason. And I was glad to meet all of you guys. And then once we started doing our podcast, we was just doing it on the fly. We was just doing it for fun. 
um, when you and I started doing it together, that's when I became good friends with um, Isaiah. Isaiah had added me as a friend and he even messaged me privately and said, you know, I like your work and I would love to have you on the show. And that's when him and Steven both had me on Quarantine Talk, uh, which was a very fun episode. And after that, that's when I was inspired to work with Isaiah and Steven and the rest of the MI6 network. And it's been a fun adventure. It's been a fun ride. And that's how Isaiah and Colin and, and, and me, that's how Wild Sports Talk came about because I reached out to uh, both of you guys and said, hey, would you guys be willing to do this show? I think we can do big things with it. I think that we will grow as a team. And look where it's gotten us. It's gotten us far. And I always believe in working with people who are successful. Um, at first, I was a little bit hesitant because I've done this before with people and they would flake out on me or they would um, take my idea and run with it and, and, and not include me. And so I was at first, I was kind of um, hesitant. I, I, I was kind of afraid of taking this leap. But you know what? I have no regrets and I'm glad I did uh, because I met so many wonderful people Everyone on this panel is just amazing. Every every one of you guys are just talented. And it's a pleasure to be able to work with every single one of you. Some comments, or at least one comment, guys, or two comments trickled in during this uh, segment. Chrissy says that the pandemic allowed her to find the network. And also Angel said that he was on Fan Response three weeks ago and I had fun, which is all that really matters. Stephen, before we actually wrap up for the night, again, uh, Sally, folks are not going to be able to join, uh, be joined by Ryan Schreiner or Martin Garcia probably tonight. But again, big props to Furman Lee for dropping in at pr pretty much the last moment here on the program. But Stephen, I want to go back over to you, though, buddy, more so because I kind of talk about this a lot, though, when I talk about this particular network in general, bud, is or actually we actually just lost Stephen, as a matter of fact. But Trevor, I'll go to you because you're next closest to me uh, pretty much on the row of uh, host here that we have from our, uh, for our host view. But Trevor, you know, I talk about this a lot though, when I do in fact touch base or talk about uh, the network and how it's been since July though. But, you know, John hit the nail on the head though, Trev, in regards to, you know, sometimes you, you know, you, you're a part of a podcast and it probably flames out after five months or five years, or it doesn't really go that far because either, you know, ratings aren't good. People aren't tuning in. Things aren't going right. There's internal fighting going on, maybe. As John said, you get a great idea and someone else takes it and runs with it and stuff of that caliber and nature. Uh, with that in mind, Trevor, you know, I, I always say though, man, that I don't think I've I don't think I've ever been a part of a, you know, something that, as a reminder, folks, but something that we are not paid to do. We're not paid to be here seven days a week to uh, give you uh, give you guys our thoughts and our takes and, you know, make you laugh or make you cry or make you want to punch your computer to be what we're talking about. But Trevor. I don't think I've been a part, though, of a project that has had so much, you know, that has so much team, you know, continuity and chemistry for an unpaid endeavor that we're doing, unpaid project. But there's, you know, group chats, you know, like uh, Furman said, to talk about, you know, what to do or, you know, just to debate sports. But also, like with Steve and myself, though, it's more so, hey, we got an idea to do this or we have a guest coming on, you know, stuff like that. Trevor, how is it to kind of be a part of something like this, though, where, again, it's it's an unpaid uh, thing right now. But again, though, just being a part though of this, you know, of, of the, you know, 
the amazing chemistry, though, that has actually been a part of this network, again, as mentioned, where anyone's idea is pretty much open or fair game, and no one should feel bad to not speak their mind about what they think we should or should not do here on the uh, on this network. I think this network alone has definitely grown, has, fost in, I guess, enriched our friendships over the past few months. And, like, I think it's more of, like, the, how Steven was able to bring a group of people together. I want to say it's almost like the Avengers, how he ended up finding literally everybody in MI6 network and just starting, like, t <laughs> you know, you see what I did there, Callan. I was, he's able to bring everybody together and the span across the time that he was at OSU, getting, connecting the dots. And I think I was, I believe, like, the last friend he ended up meeting at OSU before he ended up graduating. So it's like I was like the last piece. So I was like the quote unquote, you know, Captain Marvel to the piece of the, you know, Steven, <laughs> <laughs> the Steven, you know, cinematic universe. And that's oh so I don't really have a part until, you know, now, but now I became the six man Williams, been a part of everything ever since. So I'm like in the next phase of the Steven's MCU universe. So I'm very, you know, proud about it. But having the structures we have, it's just like we're all friends here and we're all doing it because we enjoy sports and just taking the time saying we can do this and make people enjoy their day and take funny takes and crop that out and post it on social media like all of our favorite YouTubers we see or social media influencers. It's like saying, hey, we can do that. We're just like them. And we're just ordinary guys having a great time on podcasts. And look, we have over 4,000 likes over almost 1,400 views on all of our, you know, plays for our um, accounts. You know, it's perfect. It's just like you can't ask for anything better for a group of people who are willing to work with you and help you improve your aspect in becoming a better individual. I think that's the best thing about the MI6 network. Matt, you know, as you said, though, man, you're, you've probably not been a part of too many programs here with us on the network, as mentioned uh in regards to you know maybe just a couple of appearances though but again matt you know you probably hear a lot or you probably have seen a lot of you know maybe the banter in the chat box or in our group chat and then you see maybe all the calls that go on like at 11 o'clock on the west coast uh probably like two o'clock your time but matt when you see this kind of you know chemistry continuity going on where again you know someone may have a great idea at like two o'clock in the morning and someone will put it out there for those of us to wake up to and we probably say yes or no but again, though, Matt, probably in a way, is there like anything you can probably add, though, in regards to how, in fact, it's been, though, maybe seeing, you know, all these strangers across the country come together and really make something that, again, we're not being paid for to do, though, but make this as successful as it can be, though, in such a very short amount of time. What do you got for us? Uh, it's amazing how well you guys all gel together. And I mean, there's no in-person contact with any of this. Um it's just everything seems to be everyone seems to have their ducks in a row and everything just kind of flows smoothly i mean the moderating and um just overall the way that a podcast generally goes it's very smooth. Very smooth. Uh, Furman, we'll go over to you now, as mentioned. Hopefully, we'll get shareable Steve back, as mentioned, because I wanted to get Steve's thoughts, of course, 
uh, at this time. Uh, with that in mind, though, but again, Furman, you know, again, it's probably been very brief for you being here. But as mentioned, you know, you probably made some appearances across the board. And I and I know, though, man, that, of course, sometimes you probably exit out of the group chat sometimes because of how your team's playing or you're just getting tired of uh, all the banter going on in the group chat. But at the same time, though, man, you know, like I said, though, you know, yes, you said it right, though, about, you know, uh, the the banter that goes on amongst uh, everyone with their ball clubs and their teams at the same time, though, you know, maybe, you know, someone has an idea, you know, or maybe it's me dropping in some graphic or a video that I put together, uh, but it's going to be a part of the pro of program lore in regards to, you know, boom goes the dynamite or John saying, you said, what, what did you say? Or, you know, maybe it's a graphic I've made, or there's, you know, other things that are being shared though, uh, in regards to, you know, graphics and, uh, you know, ideas are being thrown against this giant storyboard and we all have our say though. And again, no one really not feeling ashamed to not give out an idea, but Furman probably though, maybe give a bit more insight maybe because I think you're probably, you probably enjoy the group chats more than probably anyone else though, uh, at this time with uh, the entire network. Uh, at the end of the day, obviously sometimes the, th the things I say are probably way out of context, but I do enjoy, you know, talking a lot and interacting with everybody in uh, the group chat. And also within the network, um, I can talk about the same things. But obviously, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I'm, you know, reacting on, that's actually happening live. So whenever that's happening right at the moment, I know how you're always, you, Cal, and you're always, you know, every single time there's like a Chicago Bears game, you're always paying attention to it. Same thing with the San Diego Padres. And I think that feeling of just getting right into that moment um, right. you know, of those specific games or specific player opinions or performances, it just factors into, you know, you know how, how ecstatic you are for a, your personal, your own opinion of something. And I had the same opinions um, as Isaiah, obviously on, um, you know, someone like Nick Mullins. Uh, he yeah. was supposed to be a really good, you know, backup quarterback for the 49ers. And I was really repping him up. But unfortunately, obviously, he did not play well against the Eagles. And that led me to a huge uh, meltdown in the group chat. Uh, the, well, the reason why I leave the group chats is not because, uh, you know, I'm scared to hear all of your you know, jokes or, or everything <laughs> on me. But obviously, you know, I just I, at the end of the day, I just do it for fun. And I just, you know, I just really like to hear everybody's you know, takes, whether or not they agree with it or not. And I might seem like a crazy 49ers fan talking a lot of smack on like Jimmy Garoppolo and uh, praising Nick Mullins on, on the other hand. Um, these are just, you know, really fun ways of getting to getting everybody together in a group chat, not just to, you know, be all serious about sports and stuff. But I think one of the biggest influences of this is probably Isaiah just, you know, bringing up a lot of crazy topics. And I don't know if you know about this, Callan, but Back when the Rams drafted Jared Goff in his rookie season, Isaiah predicted that they were going to win the division and make the Super Bowl with Jared Goff. And everybody was, everyone ridiculed him in the group chat and said that he had the most ridiculous uh, response, a ridiculous take on, you know, in sports history. But guess what happened? The Rams actually made it to the Super Bowl and they're still a good team. So a lot of the stuff that I, you know, that, someone may see it. it could it could actually be true you never know so i'm just gonna put that out there for everyone that's uh watching right now john you know 
I know that you're probably not the biggest fan of group chats. I mean, uh, other than if it's with me and Isaiah for WST, but again, you know, there's a lot of shenanigans that go on there. But at the same time though, John, like we said though, you know, in regards to you and me, you know, the continuity, the chemistry, things like that across the board, you know, is what's probably not found a lot with maybe other podcast outlets or, you know, sometimes like team sports though, sometimes you probably grow tired of teammates every so often if you go through the ups and downs. And I think, John, we've probably been pretty much on a high, but again, there's probably been some lows that we've kind of had to endure and go through. But John, you know, more so, man, you know, other than being on air and all the stuff that we've been doing here, though, man, John, how about your thoughts, though, about how things have been, though, away from, you know, off air in regards, you know, uh, like I said, though, I don't know though, if I've been a part of more group calls in regards to setting up a schedule for, you know, scheduling a guest like I, you know, with like Isaiah, you know, lining up guests, actually talking about what we're going to talk about on a program, uh, post-show, like, hey, what could we have done better? You know, this or that, you know, great show, maybe work on this though. But John, not just about the banter that goes on, but John, how about the more so the actual serious part of the group chats though, where we actually, in fact, you know, put our ducks in a row as Furman and, as Furman and Trevor said, or Matt even said though, but in regards though to, as mentioned, you know, lining up guests, going over topics, uh, prepping before the program, and also more so afterwards, too, about what we're going to do for the next program and the next program after that. I think that's what helps develop chemistry. I think that's what brings us closer together as co-hosts. Um, the number one thing that you need to have if you're going to have a successful podcast is communication. And that is something that we have, that we have is communication. We communicate well. We prep before the show. Um, we, you know, we get each other's opinions on what we think we should talk about for the upcoming show, which is always good because everyone might want to have a take on something. And it's only fair for all of us to say, hey, should we talk about this or should we bring this up in the next show? Or how are we going to break this down? How will we, um, you know, uh, present the question to our viewers? And how will we debate this topic? I think what that does, that brings us closer together as friends. I think that, um, you know, uh, helps with so much. You know, it, it just, it's a great way to, like I said moments ago, to develop chemistry. You have to have great chemistry. And I think us three, we mushed so well together that it became more than just a podcast. It, it became a friendship and a healthy uh, relationship among all of us, you know, and, it, and it's great. You know, not only did we create something for audience and sports fans, but we created a friendship that seems to be intact and that seems to be an amazing, that has been an amazing, uh, you know, friendship since we've uh, put together this podcast and since this network has been up and running. Isaiah, I think Judge Mathis again hit the gavel right on the head though, man, in regards to the, you know, not, I, I would probably take it a step further. It's another, it's another family you have, not just friends, but a family you have, you know, and I have my work family with hockey and indoor soccer, both my colleges, my lacrosse family, but now I have another, I have another podcast family, you know, and I've been involved 
uh, with, you know, I've been involved with podcasts across the board uh, with plenty of things uh, with either women's basketball. I've done other podcasts uh, trying to be a motivational speaker and stuff like that when I was kind of getting out of high school. But Isaiah, it's not just in regards to, you know, the friendships that you start, but also it's that family atmosphere you also have, though, where, as I said, though, you know, you can bring up an idea, again, put it on the big, uh, the big storyboard we have. And as mentioned, you know, everyone can give their thoughts about it. But Isaiah, more so, give us your thoughts more so about the family aspect, as mentioned, again, the group chats and the, the pre-show calls, the post-show calls, you know, all the other uh, stuff that does go on. But, it, but more so, like I said, though, Isaiah, it's that it's more so of a family feel in my mind than it is just a regular, ordinary friendship or acquaintanceship. Yeah, you know, you completely hit the nail on the head, Cal. And this is a family uh, network. You know, we are all like a second family here. You know, we may agree or disagree on some topics regarding sports. But at the end of the day, you know, nobody takes it personally. Um, nobody really, like, takes it to heart. And that's what good about it. And everybody uh, has their – or, like, has their opportunity to – throw out any ideas that they may have. Like we've had so many ideas thrown up by you, John, myself, Stephen, Furman, Trevor. So, and also the, you know, the calls have been fantastic where we just like brainstorm ideas or we uh, like, let's say like after a show, uh, someone uh, of our network, like, you know, is feeling really bad about their performance on the show. Like I've done several times, you know, I felt like after the show, I feel like, Oh my God, you know, I, this was my worst performance ever. I stuttered so badly. And, you know, I repeated myself a lot, but, but you know, and then you have like, you do the call, right. And then you have people in the network, just supporting you and helping raise your confidence and reminding you, Hey, it's all good, man. You're just, you're trying to get better each and every day. And I think that's what, um, I love about this network. And, you know, another thing that I love about this network is you guys aren't like, you guys are okay with me embracing wacky stuff. Like, come like who dresses up in a Santa outfit in Halloween? Other than Isaiah Leung, definitely love it. Right. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas for sure. A couple thoughts here, guys. Casey King with a game break. The Wolfpack of Nevada, Reno, take down the Rebels of UNLV 37-19 to win the Fremont Cannon between the two schools as Nevada goes to 2-0. UNLV now 0-2 on the season. Again, they were plastered by San Diego State. Just a week ago in Carson, California, David Rivera writes in a podcast can also create a bond as well as mentioned again, that friend more so in my mind, again, the, the family atmosphere more so than the actual friend or acquaintanceship. And I also Casey saying, Hmm, Isaiah moved in from his garage. And also, yeah, did. and also Christy says only Isaiah can get away with wearing a Santa hat on Halloween. That's definitely true for sure. With that, folks, we'll finally uh, segue over and wrap things up on this uh, very long program into tonight's final thoughts. Mainly more so because I, I, I'm hot and also as well, uh, my face is really itchy from this makeup I've had on for the past almost three hours. Uh, Trevor, we'll start with you, though, buddy, for final thoughts for the night's program. What do you got for us? I've crossed in the daylight savings. I saw like the eleven, no, the one fifty nine, and then I go to our chat that we have on the podcast, and 
and you see it turn back to 1 a.m. So it's like I'm in the Twilight Zone now. So I'm past <laughs> gone. <laughs> yep. Past gone at this point. So, you know, when we wrap up, I'm going to sleep like a baby. And, you know, can't wait for, you know, no BS this Friday. So, you know, stay tuned for that. Yeah, we're back, folks, on Friday with no BS. Uh, with that in mind, Furman Lee, over to you, buddy. Final thoughts for the night's program or what, sir? Well, I joined this program late, so unfortunately, the only thing I have left to talk about is what I have here. I'm I'm assuming that a lot of you guys are wondering why I have a Bills jacket when I'm a 49ers fan. Well, I'll tell you this. I'll be a Bills fan for one week starting now because the Bills have a pretty good schedule, pretty good upcoming schedule that I'm seeing right now. They they're playing the Patriots tomorrow and then they're going to play the you know, they're going to play the Seattle Seahawks and the Cardinals in the following games. So, you know, I'm, for once, I'm actually rooting for the Bills. They had a great start with Josh Allen. And, I mean, the thing, things haven't been going well for their offense in the recent games. But I still think they got a pretty good shot at this division in the AFC, um, AFC West, I believe. And, you know, just for today, uh, it's, not, it's not very cold right now in uh, the Bay Area, NorCal. But... I'm assuming it's like freezing cold. It's probably like ice cold weather in New York right now. So I got this penguin hat and a huge leather jacket uh, just to represent the Bills Mafia. You know what I mean? But I mean, I don't have a, a huge table in front of me, but oh, I'll just no. represent the fans for a few <laughs> seconds right here. Yeah. You guys see that? Let's go. Yes. Let's go, Bills, man. Yes. You guys got to be Arizona as well. You got nice. to help the Warriors take the NFC West. All right. Break that table. At least break the break the paper table as uh, uh, with that. By the way, kick-ass jacket. Twenty-five thousand for the plaintiff. Sold. <laughs> Judge Mathis with the final gavel <laughs> on that offer. Over to the Santa Claus hat wearing Nick Mullins. Isaiah, what do you got for us for final thoughts tonight, sir? My final thoughts is that this has got to be one of the best uh, programs that we have ever done. Uh, on the MI6 Sports Network. I mean, my God, it, it's been what three three hours, Kellen? Two hours. Two hours and count. Two hours forty minutes and counting. It's it says two hours forty one minutes, but it feels like you know it's only been like an hour. This program flew by so quick, man. Like it's been so much fun talking sports with you guys, reminiscing about our experiences here on the MI6 Sports Network, eating all that buffet that I had prepared. It's just been a fun, fun show. I want to thank all of our viewers once again for watching the show and giving us so much love and so much support. We really, really appreciate it. Um, also, I'm going to let Callan announce this after I'm done with final thoughts, but we've got a very special show planned for you guys on Monday. So make sure you guys. Keep tuning into this show to find out what that is. But my final thoughts, ladies and gentlemen, my final thoughts is it. My final thoughts is that it's something that I want to echo that I said earlier. Ward Manuel and the Michigan Athletic Department. It's time to put the hammer down or the gavel like my guy Judge Mathis has. It's time to put the gavel down and end this Jim Harbaugh nightmare. Get him out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. It's time to move on. 
Go. F- I don't care whoever you hire. It's time to end this experiment, man. It is not working. It is time to stop pl- paying this crook seven, eight million dollars to keep losing. I think you can do better, Michigan. Go hire whoever you want, but it's time to move on from Jim Harbaugh. I'm so sick each and every year of you know always hyping up Michigan. I apologize to Ohio State. Or with that with that ridiculous take that I had on Wednesday about how Ohio State should be trembling after uh, Michigan beat Minnesota. I look like a complete idiot for that one, so I completely apologize. Hey, um, Ward Manuel, it's time to fire Jim Harbaugh and cut your, cut your losses, man. It is over. Get him out of here ASAP. Fired. F-I-R-E-D. And finally, folks, last but not least, Judge Mathis has the final panel, final thoughts. Mr. Judge Mathis, first, unmute yourself, buddy, but give us your final thoughts for the night's program. Judge Mathis, what do you got in store? Yes, 25000 for the plaintiffs. <laughs> 25000 No, but uh, in all seriousness, tonight is Halloween. For those who are out partying, having a good time, hopefully you guys are safe. And follow all the rules that's, you know, been put in place. You know, this is a pandemic year. Remember that. Please social distance. Practice social distancing. Please wear your mask wherever you go. Even if it's not part of your costume, wear your mask. I know it's a unique year, but just follow all the guidelines and just follow all the orders, please, so everyone can stay safe. Remember, it's not about you. It's about the person that's standing next to you as well. And even if you're young and you could fight off this virus and you could beat COVID-19, maybe your grandmother or someone who is more vulnerable to the virus might not be able to shake it off. So think about them. And remember, it's not only about you. Also, please, for those who like to drink, do it responsibly. Don't get behind the wheel drunk. Do not drink and drive. Be smart. There's Uber and Lyft. That's why we have it. If you need to get home, call an Uber or Lyft or stay the night at someone's house or just get a ride home. Do not drink and drive. Those are my final thoughts for tonight. And that is the law from from Judge Mathis. I'm going to go back to Isaiah. What on earth are you wearing, man? Hey, for, first of all, this is a nice tie-dye shirt, Santa hat. I, I, I said, I'm. you know what? No more Nick Mullins. We're at the three-hour, or we're almost at the three-hour mark. Everything has completely gone off the rail. I am now a swaggy Santa for Halloween. That's what I am. I've decided on my costume. I did come up with something, didn't I, Callan, John? I, 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 at the last minute, I came up with something. Swaggy Santa. But I also want to remind the folks out there, make sure you guys turn your clocks an hour back tonight because tonight is daylight savings time. So please turn your clock back an hour. I don't want people, you know, thinking that it's like 5 or it's like 7 a.m. when it's actually 6 a.m. or you know, missing something because they thought that uh, it was like not that time. So set your clocks back, everybody. Yes, we gain an hour, actually. Gain an hour. 
Uh, with that, folks, my final thoughts. I put the mask back on for Judge Mathis, as mentioned, uh, but more so my face has been killing me with this. This uh, I, I got it today and got this pocket knife, as mentioned. But if you, uh, but as mentioned already, uh, already here on the program tonight, again, thanks to uh, the whole gang for dressing up tonight and for all that good stuff. And follow the rules. Otherwise, Hydra will attack you with a pocket knife, as I already mentioned earlier on in this program. But again, folks, final thoughts. Again, thank you all again for uh, sticking it out with us here, as uh, we've already have talked about uh, plenty of times. Again, probably the longest show now, probably, in all of the uh, network programming history here. But again, thanks to the usual suspects. And again, thanks to everyone for, again, uh, diving in and giving us their thoughts and keeping us sane. And also, again, for your outstanding love and support as this uh, network continues to thrive and grow. Uh, with that, folks, a very cool announcement as we get back to regular programming starting up on uh, Monday. But, of course, we have the night shift on Sunday night at 10 o'clock Pacific, uh, uh, Pacific time uh, with myself and Isaiah. But, of course, folks, Monday, very special program. Here's the announcement coming your way. This is actually, folks, courtesy of Isaiah. And, ladies and gentlemen, I know the consensus pick is the Kansas City Chiefs. I know they have the best quarterback in the NFL. I know they have the best coach in the NFL in Andy Reid. I know they just won a Super Bowl, but I don't care. I am going with the Denver Broncos. Uh, the club was fronted for 108 years. Well, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they don't ever win the World Series that gets to the playoffs. I don't care. This team got to the playoffs eight straight years. It is in Elvis for eight straight years, and they still have not cashed in to win a freaking World Series. And part of the reason is because Peyton Manning, and then you have so there you have it folks it is going to be a debate style electoral style program coming your way folks on the mi6 sports network starting up as mentioned on Monday night at 7.30 p.m., uh, we're still working the kinks out here for this program, as mentioned. But again, it'll be Isaiah and John and probably a third party. Uh, I'm guessing it'll be either Martin Garcia or our buddy Matt Soltis joining us on the program uh, that day uh, for the election style program. I was actually, folks, uh, writing out the uh, new crawling message. But as mentioned, uh, pretty much, folks, a debate slash electoral style program. With live viewer voting, as much as we already do it here, folks, already on the uh, either on No BS or with um, uh, Stephen with the poll questions. But again, a le legitimate night before the election style program talking all things sports. But again, voted on by you, the viewer, will have your say on who wins each topic in each debate. Uh, we're again, folks, going to have all those kinks worked out, hopefully come Monday. But again, folks, uh, MI6 Decision 2020 comes your way on WST. Monday night, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time back here on the MI6 Sports Network. So, again, folks, it'll be a very great night to elect the king of sports debating on this network come Monday night at 7.30 p.m. Some uh, final thoughts, guys, that trickled in here uh, throughout the course of the program. As mentioned, Christy said that only Isaiah can uh, get away with wearing a, a Santa hat on Halloween night. Uh, David Agresa with Isaiah saying, I also have made mistakes before, too, when I first started doing my own interviews 
uh, and gotten somewhat overwhelmed. That happens to the best of us. And believe me, that happens to me quite often as well. Also, Chris said, uh, Christy said, my final thoughts. Such a fun show tonight. Casey says, great show, everybody, as always. And look forward to seeing uh, to tomorrow's games and, of course, uh, seeing the Rams and also seeing the night shift. But as a reminder, with him living in Arizona, it's a still a 11 o'clock start time because they don't change their clocks like we do here on the West Coast or in the Pacific time zone or wherever you may be, in fact, joining us. But we'll still be tuning in. And let's go, Rams, tomorrow. Enjoy your day and see you guys on the night shift tomorrow. So we all agree, folks, with that in mind. How about folks, as mentioned, want to again, everyone, thank uh, you all again sincerely and humbly for again joining all of us here. Nice to again see the guys dressed up in some capacity. Of course, Trevor just come from a, a OSU watch party, so that's why he was called Ohio State's number one fan throughout the course of our program. But, of course, a major shout-out again to Trevor, uh, Furman, Isaiah, uh, Mr. John Mathis, and as well, of course, uh, Shareable Steve, and also as well to uh, Matt for joining us tonight, and also a major shout-out to as well to Shree, and also a uh, – other shout out to uh, to both Martin and Ryan again who could not join us tonight again due to prior obligations before or uh, for tonight's program. With that though, folks in mind for Trevor Williams, Furman Lee, Isaiah LeYoung, John Mathis, Shri Anan, and our uh, producer shareable Stephen Wayne, Cal McClurg saying goodnight from San Diego. We'll leave you though, folks, with one last look at our Halloween spectacular trailer that was aired throughout the course of the last several weeks here on the live stream. But again, folks, we'll see you back here on Sunday for the night shift. And of course, a brand new week starting coverage on Monday. But of course, programming on Sunday at 10 o'clock Pacific time back here on the MI6 Sports Network. But again, folks, one final time, one parting shot, the MI6 Halloween Spectacular trailer. One final time here, folks. Have a good rest of your night. Take care, stay safe and stay healthy. And so long. Till next time, folks. Good night. Bye-bye.